Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com slash sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. We are coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote. Clay's out this week. I'm Jason Martin. You may remember me from this fine radio program in the past. I'm joined, as always, by former NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz. He's on Twitter at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. I'm at jmartzone. Jeff, what's up, man? I gotta say, Jason, you sound refreshed. <laughs> Not having to wake up so early in the morning, uh, having your own show now in, in Nashville every night. Um, you sound you sound really good, buddy. I haven't talked to you, I think, since the last time we hosted, which was what the beginning of the month, I believe. We had a, a couple of, a week during the beginning yeah. of the month. So um, the best part, by the way, about filling in this time of year. Last year we did this; it was the middle of July. Is we have football now. We actually have a Hall of Fame game on Thursday, and um, believe it or not, I will actually have to preview that game for a for a gambling show I'm doing. So wow. I actually might have like weird nuggets for us later in the week about the Hall of Fame game. Um, but we everyone's in camp. Uh, football, you know, Hall of Fame game is this weekend. I believe we'll even have some preseason games. Uh, we should have them on on Saturday and Sunday at least. Um, we are in the full swing of the NFL and college camps. Uh, start by the end of the week. You're right. Fake points are going to be scored within this week, and it's very, very exciting. Well, I'm headed real to Titans points. camp after the show this morning. Yeah, they're the real, real points, points. In, f- in fake games. Okay. All right. That's a good thanks for the clarification there. But yeah, everybody's in camp. There's all sorts of things. So there's so many stories to get to on this program. Dan Orlovsky is going to join us in the next hour. You all know him. You all love him. That dude. I, one of the one of the smartest moves I made when I was executive producer was telling Clay, look, we need to get Dan Orlovsky on. I've heard him do a couple of local shows. I'm really impressed with him. We put him on. Clay sends me a message in the chat during the interview just to say, this guy's fantastic. So fantastic, in fact, that he's found himself a pretty heavy-end employer. So good for Dan Orlovsky. We'll break down a lot of things 
coming up in the second hour of this show. There are definitely all sorts of things happening. Uh, Andrew Luck is throwing real footballs in front of people. That's impressive. Hugh Jackson, real big fan of Baker Mayfield, just like he was a big fan of Deshaun Kaiser last year. So I don't know exactly what that means. Tom Brady talks right up until somebody mentions Alex Guerrero and Julian Edelman in the same sentence and then runs and basically just walks completely away. And then there's this, and I think this is an interesting starting point. I don't know that one story is particularly bigger than the other. There's a number of different things. Last week, I actually I looked at this in, in more detail last week, but Mike Sando at ESPN.com every, every year on Insider releases quarterback rankings. Yeah. And he breaks it down with 50 insiders in the NFL, 10 GMs, 5 head coaches, 10 coordinators, 10 senior personnel executives, 5 quarterback coaches, and 10 others with job titles that range from assistant coach to salary cap manager to analytics director. Now when we have Dan on, uh, we'll get his thoughts on this as well. But he breaks them down into four tiers, and I think this is the fifth year that he's actually done this. And I found it fascinating because of where he places everybody. He lists, I mean, because of this, it's 1-32 to 32 based on these 50 votes inside the league. Tier 1 is a quarterback that can carry his team each week. Team wins because of him. He expertly handles pure passing situations. I don't know if you've fully seen the list or been able to look through it, Jeff, but there are four guys and four guys only that are listed as Tier 1 quarterbacks. Let's see if you can get them all. Well, um, I know the first two, and that's Rodgers and Tom Brady. I would yep. imagine the next uh, it would be Drew Brees. Mm-hmm. And um, the fourth could be interesting. Um, I'm going to guess it's Big Ben, but I think it could also be Matt Ryan. Yeah, that's actually four and then five. Matt Ryan's the first in the second tier. It is Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady tied at one, it's then Drew good. Brees and Ben Roethlisberger. That is pretty good. Uh, Drew Brees... If you look at some of the criticisms of some of the folks that voted him out of the top tier, they basically said, look, he doesn't have the fastball he used to have. His ball doesn't travel the way that it once did. They don't win the games as much because of Drew Brees anymore. But I still put him there. And Ben Roethlisberger is kind of either he's the greatest thing you've ever seen or he's very, very average. It's kind of the knock on Roethlisberger at this stage. Tier 2 is loaded in terms of just sheer numbers. Can carry his team sometimes, but not as consistently. He can handle pure passing situations in doses, and or he possesses other dimensions that are special enough to elevate him above Tier 3. He has a hole or two in his game. Now, there are one. You already got Matt Ryan. Let's see. There are nine other guys that are listed in Tier 2. Who would you put in there? So I have this pulled up right now, just so I can see it as well. Um, very interesting in this tier. Um, it's it's interesting because this is obviously not a Twitter poll, and so you're going to have different names in here than you would right. I think, imagine. Um, the first one that strikes me, I mean, Russell Wilson at six uh, strikes me just because you know he has such a poor set, and he it should be better this year maybe. Of, of parts around him to help, right? And they mm-hmm. drafted Penny this year, and they they, they added Dwayne Brown, gave him a big deal at left tackle. Um, I mean, if you put him in a on a team, I should say that has a lot of a lot of talent around him, he probably is in sixth or seventh, right? I mean, he is that good. Last year, 
scoring all but one touchdown for the Seahawks. So he either threw for the touchdowns or he ran for the touchdowns. Otherwise, they only had one other touchdown scored um, by uh, by anyone who's not Russell Wilson. That was a running back who had one one rushing touchdown. I mean, he counted for some. It, it, Jason, it's insane. He had like thirty-seven out of thirty-eight touchdowns. It's insane. Um, I mean, put him then, in put him in Pittsburgh or put him in oh, New Orleans, anywhere. for put example. Him in, put him in Atlanta with those with those offensive yeah, weapons. No, yeah, right. Um, and then. You know, he accounted for something like 82% of total yards as well, which was I think, the highest in NFL history um, for for one player. Um, and so it, it's, it, I think he's valued in the eyes of personnel a lot higher than maybe people uh, would rank him on social media. Next was Matt Stafford. So Matt, I'm going to talk to Dan about this. This is interesting because I said this over mm-hmm. the weekend, separately of, of what Dan said on a different show, um, that I think Matt Stafford's going to be a Hall of Famer, and so does he. Um, he is he is gonna be a polarizing choice when it comes time for that because what's gonna happen with Matt Stafford? Let's just say let's say he wins a couple playoff games or he makes the playoffs, right? I think at some point he's made the playoffs, but at some point, let's say he wins a couple playoff games, never went to Super Bowl, never even maybe gets the NFC Championship game. Nonetheless, he is going to have some of the best passing stats of all time. He was second quarterback under 30 to throw for, for 30,000 yards. The other one was Peyton Manning. He's going to have all the stats that you would want from a guy to be in the Hall of Fame. And he's going to have elevated passing stats because of the the offensive explosion that we're in now, right? So let's say like a Dan Marino, right? All-time great passer, never won a Super Bowl. Um, you know, He's going to blow his numbers out of the water just because of the, of the way that the offense is played now. So he's going to be an interesting test when it comes time for Hall of Fame voters um, uh, to... To choose eight, Philip Rivers. It's about right, I think. Um, I think people are expecting big things from him. His offensive line is fixed now. He's got a ton of uh, weapons. Carson Wentz nine makes sense. MVP last year. Andrew Luck at ten. I'm sure Jason, you, yeah. you thought this was maybe a little high. Um, this is a straight pick. Not based by, on his talent. You think it's based on his talent? No, I'm, I'm just saying like it's not too high if you're basing it on his talent. My problem is. How much of I mean? How much is Andrew Luck still Andrew Luck? And he may be a hundred percent Andrew Luck, but the injury thing just kind of makes me I don't know hesitate just a little bit at putting him above a couple of the guys right beneath him. I'm sure Danny G is about to get very angry because we haven't mentioned Derek Carr yet. Well, he's coming up soon. Cam Newton eleven, and, and from Sando's article, the, the drop from Luck to Cam Newton was uh, the largest from one quarterback to the next. Even though yeah. Cam is still considered a tier two quarterback, and then. Car is is twelve. Hey Danny, Car blocked me on Twitter. Why? I've never talked to him in my life. What's what? going? He's being sensitive. Is he being sensitive there, Danny? He blocked you. Yeah, what? I went to like someone like you know quote tweeted him. And I went to click on what the tweet was. He I'm blocked, and then I tweeted out like, "Yo, why is Derek Carr blocking me?" And I've come to find out that he is very sensitive, and he blocks everybody. And he had to actually. He blocked someone on NFL Network, like some some podcast. His brother works, by the way, NFL Network, and um, he had to like they had to invite him on the podcast for him to unblock him. Ah, uh, this must have happened when you were moon moonlighting at the four letter. I would have blocked you too. Um, <laughs> I do that like once a month. He's tired <laughs> so, of your Chiefs. He's tired of your your, your Kansas City um, so Chiefs love. I'm, bl- I'm blocked. I'm I'm blocked on on all I've said about Derek. By the way, in last year was the same I said about Mariota. Is that when you get in when you're injured, it takes often more than a year to get back into a rhythm. Um, and he had his off season routine 
changed because he was rehabbing last season, last offseason. So I guess two offseasons ago now. Um, and he, he didn't play well, and Mariota didn't either. I don't think it's, like, it's not a crazy thing to say. Um, and uh, so... So, you know, some of the comments here for Carr are interesting. He came back to reality, said an offensive coordinator who had Carr in the third tier all along. So, um, you know, very interesting. Jimmy G, 13 um, in the second tier. I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, look, I think once we get kind of to like 12 and on, I think it's really kind of dealer's choice. Um, like, how can you have Jimmy G and Deshaun Watson ahead of Kirk Cousins? And Kurt has and been Alex Smith. for these years. Um, I get why Alex Smith is 15th. Um, Obviously, I love Alex. I played with him for a while. You, 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 you think he's that's high at fifteen? No, I'm saying putting Jimmy G and Deshaun Watson yeah. above Alex Smith. Like Alex Smith and Kirk Cousins are tied, which I think is right. pretty funny if you're a Washington Redskins yes. fan. Um, I think what's interesting about why Alex Smith is below Watson and below uh, Jimmy G is we know we're getting with Alex Smith. I think with Watson and Jimmy G, the potential True. is so high that you're seeing potential instead. Of of just knowing what you're going to get for Alex, and it is really hilarious that Kirk Cousins and Alex Smith are are tied because it's like a swap. Eli Manning 17. I think people are higher on. Ooh, Dak is 17. Interesting. Yeah. See, I've got. I think Eli's too high. I think you're basing Eli on his career, not where he is right now. I mean, I'm not um, saying that. I mean, I'm saying he he should be in tier three. So I guess it's sort of splitting hairs. But to go Cousin Smith, I think there's a pretty big drop off from those two to Eli, and I would probably at this point maybe look at Dak. Over Eli as well. I um, am very high on Eli and even Dak. I, I would put Dak ahead of Jimmy G and Deshaun Watson right now. I mean, that's, okay. they haven't shown enough yet to really do that. Uh, you know, golf is interesting. So here's a good question for you, Jason. Um, do, you, do you think that golf is an above-average quarterback, or do you think he's surrounded by above-average talent and a coach, obviously? Yeah, I think it's a really good question. I think it's a really good question to ask. I tend to go with the latter because I watched Jared Goff not be asked to do very much last year. So, basing on what I've seen him do, he's an average quarterback. He's he's not he's not a scrub by any stretch of the imagination. He's not what he was in the first year. He is closer to being an above average quarterback, I think, than the alternative. But I look at Ty Gurley and I look at that scheme, although it's going to change with the coordinator. And uh, and all of that, it'll change maybe just a little bit. But I don't think that Goff was put in positions to fail, and that's a you know that's a real compliment to his head coach. But I didn't see that much that was just like jumping off the screen at me about what a great player Jared Goff was. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. Um, and then you know, kind of once you get past this, it's the kind of the rest of the quarterbacks in the NFL. I think Mariota has a chance to move higher than tier three yeah. eventually if he can be, stay healthy. And I know you're going to camp today. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with that offense. Matt LaFleur coming over, um, good offensive mind. I mean, he's come from the Rams, correct, I believe? Yeah, um, yeah and, so, and, and it fits him. I mean, they're going to be using some RPOs, and they're going to do some things, yeah. I think, that are going to help Mariota. Mariota was not going to flourish underneath Malarkey and Terry Rubisky. No. And, all of that. So, I mean, hopefully you'll get to see more of what Mariota's capable of this year, I would say. You know, Bortles, 26, no surprise. I'm not very high on him. And then you kind of have a bunch of guys that have just been hurt. Well, you got like Dalton, career. Flacco, Keenum in a row. And then they actually just kind of polled to see where Nick Foles would fall. He fell between Keenum and Tyrod Taylor. Thank you. At 23 and 24. So, what's interesting about that is, I had this conversation the other day as well, as we were gearing up for the season, you know, Give Foles all the credit 
you get right. He played fantastic in the NFC Championship game, played fantastic in the Super Bowl. He didn't really play terribly well before that time. And also, um, you know, he he um, he's a backup quarterback for a reason. Like, that's no one traded for him. One, I don't think the Eagles were going to trade him. But two, it's because he is a backup quarterback. And we've seen it doesn't work very often. Jimmy G might be the exception where the backup goes to another team and becomes successful. We've seen with Castle, Matt Flynn. We've seen all these guys that get, that get signed to as career backups to become starters. And they never become as successful as we imagine them to be, right? Um, right. And, and so Jimmy G might be the, the first guy, and he was traded for because people thought that highly of him. So I just I'm, I've not, I've not bought into the the hype about Foles being this like he's tier two quarterback. Um, he is what he is. He's an ex- exceptional backup right now. Now I, I've said this before. We will talk today about what an RPO actually is. But the Eagles pretty much got shut down by the Patriots running them in the Super Bowl. I mean, you can stop them if you want to. Um, so we'll just see how this goes with Foles. I, it seems like Carson Wentz is healthy. He might not see the field all season. Yeah, no, I think that's right. And you you mentioned the RPOs there. Yeah, we are going to make you football smart this week. We've got Jeff in. We're going to have a lot of very good NFL experts on the program this week as well. Each day, we're going to come up with a question and really deep dive into it. And we're going to start today, as I asked Jeff a little bit later in the program, to really explain RPOs. Because it's a term a lot of people are hearing right now and a lot of people are using right now. But I don't necessarily think that because you say RPO you know exactly what it is and why it's become so trendy and why it has worked to the extent that it obviously helped largely the Eagles win a Super Bowl so that'll be a little bit later on again Dan Orlovsky next hour where do you rank these quarterbacks you can call us at 877-996-6369 that's 877-99 on Fox Rogers Brady Breeze Roethlisberger Ryan Russell Wilson Matthew Stafford Philip Rivers Carson Wentz Andrew Luck is a top 10 if you got a bone to pick with one of those we will listen to you up next a lot more football that's what we're going to talk about this week. It's Outkick here on Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back, folks. Outkick the coverage. Monday edition. Inside the Geico Outkick Studios. Car shopping. It can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people paid for the car you want so you can recognize a good price when you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy a more confident car buying experience. I'm Jason Martin. Joined by Jeff Schwartz all week. Danny, I'm going to bring you in because I know Clay got a new car through TrueCar, as a matter of fact. A white Range Rover, and I had people sending me messages last week on Twitter at JMartZone saying it was a good thing I left the show because I would be blamed for him losing his keys. What what exactly took place with Clay and his new Range Rover? Uh, he didn't lose keys for the Range Rover yet. What happened is... When he lost that key card, I think that that must be what they're still referring to. No, no, he lost. Oh, okay. his, no, he no, did he lose? Was, oh, he is this something that happened keys. on Twitter? No, yes. What happened okay. was he. Uh, you probably have him muted too, so you don't even. <laughs> right. <laughs> I got a retweet. The only reason I saw what, him. What happened? What happened was is his wife was wife and kids were out of town for like a week, and so he was tweeting all week like I don't know what to do with myself, which is the same problem that. That I have, like when I either go out of town without my family, or I guess I'm never really at home without my family. But when I go out of town, like I don't know what to do 
when I'm not with my family, when I have free time. I, li- I literally, like I call my wife, I'm like, what do I do? Because I don't have this opportunity very often. Um, I mean, sleep is typically the right answer. But So he was tweeting about his adventures, and then he said, he's like, I don't know where my car key's at. You know, my I guess my wife puts them normally in the place I find them all the time, and like just was like talking, and then he showed a picture of his Range Rover, it had black wheels. It was it looked nice looking car. I never picture Clay in that type of Range Rover. Can you guys picture him in that Range Rover? No, I think I saw that it was white. That was where I was like, it was like it was like quote unquote murdered out. It was like black windows, black rims. I was shocked he was in that car. Well, we know that he has an Acer twelve hundred laptop, so and he's driven the same Mercedes <laughs> since before I knew him, and that was like six years ago. Yeah, that's what makes it interesting that he finally got a luxury car. I don't see him as a Mercedes guy either. I don't even know what I would picture Clay driving, but not not a Mercedes either. I mean, I think that's a good poll question. Like, what do you picture Clay driving? A white Range Rover would not be on my list. That's for sure. But it's not even it's not even like there was a right way. It was like the sleekness of the Range Rover. It was like it a was hip, very it was like a hip yeah. Range. Like a, it was a good looking Range Rover. Um, I'm a big fan. I'm uh, hopefully one day I can get back to driving it because it costs as much as a mortgage payment because it's absolutely yeah. ridiculous. The Audi the the, Audi, the A8L is an amazing vehicle, and um, my wife has a Genesis right now and it's a great car. Um, but it's getting like too small to have two car seats in there with me. Like I can't drive the car. And put the seat back because my son's feet are in the way. So like I need to get it like a I need to get like a luxury sedan type of thing. But man, they're expensive. It's ridiculous. Yeah, cars cost money, but true car, it's a good place that'll help you out, help Clay out. So that uh, was a good plug. Definitely Jason. hit them up. I was, did what was, I could. That was very that was very radio savvy of you. Um, Snuck it back in. Yeah, I, I think you should upgrade your car one day, Jason. Well, I mean, I've gotten, I got a car a couple of years ago, and it went to 2013. I mean, once the big bucks start rolling in, then it'll be time to floss. Right now, it's just time to make sure I can get from point A to point B uh, in a car it, that, that gets it done. Is today your first day at training camp? Have you been before training camp? No, I was going to go this weekend uh, and was unable to make it. I I went like years ago. And when I was interning and carried a microphone and talked to Delaney Walker and Taylor Lewan and or I talked to Taylor Lewan right after he got drafted or whatever and tried to get some sound for the uh, Titans radio down here in Nashville. So I've been a couple of a couple of times in the past. It's not something I go to a tremendous amount, but uh, I was hoping to go either day, either Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Actually, didn't make it any time, so I figure I'd go today because they're off tomorrow. I don't. I don't honestly get that much out of it. I might be in the minority, but I mean, I go there and I see things, but you're really looking at like what, seven spots that people are competing for in terms of like what's actually open with the jobs. Like, I mean, yeah, wow, Mariota looked great on this pass. Wow, he didn't look that great on that one. I, it's just, I don't know what I'm seeing in terms of how good or how bad it yeah. actually is for most of the people that I'm watching. Well, I mean, I'll just say this. Uh, no offense, really, to anyone. Like you're not gonna know. I mean, right? It, 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 like if you, if you, if if a cornerback is competing with another one, I mean, I guess you can tell in one on ones, but one on ones, I think, are lightly judged. I mean, they are, they are what they are. I mean, we saw Richard Sherman getting hosed yesterday in a one on one. I saw one one with the Panthers or DJ Moore. I mean, 
It's so funny how we overreact. So DJ Moore is running a, uh, basically a stutter go or like a sluggo route, you know, slant go, and yeah, this, he's he's playing against. I think it was a, a corner way off, right? And so the corner jumps the, the underneath route, and then DJ Moore just runs by him. People, are like, oh my god, look at the acceleration! And I'm like, dude, the, the cornerback stopped, like he ran yeah. in the opposite direction. And then turned back around and Cam underthrew him. It was kind of funny. Um, like he was open by seven yards, and he the ball hit the cornerback in the head as the cornerback is recovering. Um, you know, Sherman's not press covering, and he gets beat deep on a throw yesterday. I saw, which I mean, he can't run the same anymore. That makes sense, but. You know, the one-on-ones, there's value. I mean, offense and defense alignment, there's value in watching those one-on-ones. But mm-hmm. team reps are what matter most. And then, obviously, games matter more than that. And then, obviously, regular season. I mean, just there's a progression of what matters. So, yeah, you can go and enjoy one-on-ones, which I'm sure you will do today. And you right. will watch the, the offense of Taylor Luan just got his big money shown. I want to know, if you talk to Taylor, are you planning to interview anyone today? Uh, maybe. Maybe. It's can possible. you ask Taylor... Luan, if he had the Boss Hog outfit already ready to go and for how long he had it ready to go. Offensive linemen are ridiculous human beings in general. Yeah. Well, I remember yes. Taylor Luan as a rookie was very, very candid. He he would look for the microphone. Like a lot of people will shy away from the microphone when I'm in the locker room or whatever like that, especially at that point when I was timid and not walking around with confidence. Luan just kind of call you right over and talk to you for 10, 15 minutes. Very engaging guy. But that Boss Hog move, that was a legendary play on his part. Now, what I heard was, I talked to a couple of people that were at camp that day, and they said that they knew something was coming about 10 minutes beforehand because there were like Titan staff members that started peering out the doors like they were trying to make sure the coast was clear, and then like some kind of paper bag was brought in that I guess had the outfit or had the suit in it. But so he was ready to on go. The, on a scale of solid moves after you sign that big money deal, that boss hog play has got to get you some impressive moves. Yeah, that was um, – that was, and he brought up – I believe I saw he brought up his offensive line too with him for the Yes, interview. the whole they, line came done, with him, yes. They've done a lot of stuff together. Obviously, we've seen him drinking beers at the at the Preds yeah. games. And, yeah. Um, that's really great because – I think we've, in kind of the new era we're in, we've lost a little bit of that on the offensive line, and I, I've spoken about this quite often. There was actually a clinic a buddy of mine put on, 26 offensive linemen came together in Dallas for three days, and, and we talked, and I was there for the last day, but they, we talked, and we did some field drills, and one thing I stressed is, I think more than any position group, the offensive linemen have to stick together, right? We're You, you talk about, like, we're weirdos, we like to hang out with each other, we have a weird sense right. of humor, but our position requires us to be to communicate, um, not even verbally at times, and not even like with actual things like words, like me and Marshall Newhouse, so like whales, each other. yeah, like I'd be like, I just tell him, hey, you're good, like on any play, like it could be any call, you good? He's like, yeah, like we knew we we spent enough time together, we played each other, we knew each other well, we hung out together, and I think that with everyone watches film on iPads now, and so everyone just they don't hang out anymore, they just go home and watch film by themselves, they don't watch film in the facility anymore, so. I really like seeing the Titans um, being able to to do this, and I will. And I want to transition this to another. I think this is a ridiculous story. I'm not even sure you had this plan to cover, but the 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 Browns quarterbacks getting an RV to hang out in the parking lot. You saw that story, right? <laughs> yeah, I saw it. That that's just to like get clicks on social media. It, it, it does oh, yeah. no, it, it does nothing else. There's no other, it serves no purpose. There's no time during training camp to go hang out in an RV by yourselves. Like you, Baker Mayfield is a rookie quarterback. Every second of his free time should be spent watching film and looking at the playbook. I know that sounds awful, and I hate being like go in your playbook type of guy. 
But that's what training camp is. There is some free time during training camp. There is. like Maybe like an hour and a half between a practice and a meeting, you really have some free time depending on the schedule. Andy Reid, for example, builds in more free time because um, they practice so early in the morning. Um, going to an RV without having – I guess you watch film on your iPad. But like I don't – the quarterback room is your room. I've never been in a quarterback room, Jason, when the door is closed. Like I've never knocked on the door and walked in. I've walked in when the door is open. I see them, them BSing around, but I would never interrupt them when they're in offensive line. We go to the offensive line room. No one comes in the offensive line room. Our coaches know that you, you don't, don't come in till the meeting starts. It's our room. That's our clubhouse. Do not come in there. Um, and this is just done for to to for hey, look how cool we are on social media. We have this RV together, and we're you best think friends. This has something to do with hard knocks. Maybe, but Tyrod and Baker can be friendly, but they're also competing for the same job. And we saw Jimmy Garoppolo say, I thought I was better than Tom Brady. Yes. Um, And that's fabulous. I love to hear that from Jimmy Garoppolo because if you want to be the top of your profession in any profession here in our in our profession Jason like if you don't think if me and you don't think we're better than whoever else um, and you're not pushing yourself to be better than that person then you're never going to succeed and so I love that Jimmy G thought like that and I hope Baker Mayfield and Tyrod Taylor think to themselves look we can be friendly, we can watch film together, we can hang out, we go to dinner, but I still think I'm better than you. And I just think it's too much camaraderie um, for two quarterbacks in competition like they are. And there's no free time as well. And it's just a show off that, look we're, how, look how cool we are and here's pictures on social media. and all. I think it's pretty ridiculous. Never showing off, Eddie Garcia. Let's bring him in and find out what happened last night in the world of sports. Well, boys, let's start with some uh, baseball. And we almost had a no-hitter last night. Came about as close as we could. Sean Newcomb of the Atlanta Braves, one strike away from the no-no. But L.A.'s Chris Taylor was the party pooper with a single through the left side of the infield. Braves still beat the Dodgers 4-1. Diamondbacks over the Padres 5-4. Arizona moves a half game back of L.A. in the race for the NL West lead. Phillies were shut up for the Reds 4-0. Philadelphia's lead on Atlanta atop the NL East is down to a game and a half. Rockies over the A's 3-2. Colorado remains a half game back of Arizona for that final wildcard spot in the National League. And the Mariners beat the Angels 8-5. Seattle's lead on Oakland for the final wildcard spot in the American League is at two games. In baseball news, the Hall of Fame class of 2018 was officially inducted. Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei, Vladimir Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, Jack Morris, and Alan Trammell all now enshrined in Cooperstown. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Thank you, Mr. Garcia. We're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com, call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part Figuring out which way is easier. Jeff Schwartz down in Charlotte. I'm here in Nashville. I'm Jason Martin. He's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on the tweets. I'm at J-Mart Zone. So let's stick with the Browns for a little while because Hugh Jackson really likes Baker Mayfield. Because here's what he said on Sunday, just yesterday, after one of these practices. Baker Mayfield has been everything I thought a quarterback should be for our organization thus far. He's doing the things that we want him to do the way we want him to do it, and he's exceeding those things because he's putting in the time. He doesn't have a pride or arrogance in any kind of way. His thing is, you guys tell me what you want me to do, and I'm going to do it. That's what he's done since he's walked in the building. To me, that's exciting. That's a player that's eager to learn 
and grow. And then he gushed a little bit further in the article that I read said that Hugh has a little bit of a tendency to do this because he sounded very similar to what he said last year about Deshaun Kaiser. That did not necessarily work out. But there are a lot of folks that are saying a lot of positive things about Mayfield, and I've picked up on the fact that I didn't care for Baker Mayfield much in college. I liked him a lot better last year than I did the year or two previous. But what I'm seeing from him, and even how he's going toe-to-toe in the media and having great answers when people ask him questions – It does seem to me like Baker Mayfield has developed a maturity that maybe I didn't necessarily expect, and I'm much more curious about watching how he starts this season and just how he progresses once he gets onto the field than maybe I thought I was going to be when they first drafted him. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that's fair. Look, he he was very accurate in college, and obviously he had some maturity issues. And look, I guess the question is is um, on a scale of like maturity issues, right? Obviously, you know, running away from the cops when you're drunk is that is that a college thing? Like, I mean, is that like a is that a big issue in the grand scheme of things? What do you think? Is that a big issue? I don't know because I don't know all of the circumstances right. surrounding it. There, it's really easy as a college kid, especially one that you know did have a party side. It seemed like at least at the time to get drunk and run afoul of the law a little bit. I mean, yeah. I don't know that that's the end of the world. Compared to a lot of other stories out there, it seems fairly tame for a college kid to just make a mistake. Yes, I'm. I'm not terribly worried about that. That one. I mean, look, the the planting a flag on whatever, grabbing your crotch. Look, you shouldn't do that. I think he learned a lesson that cameras are always on him. That might have been a good lesson for him. So I'm. I'm not. I wasn't terribly worried about the maturity issue. I'm just worried about the, the trans. For me, it was the transition from the air raid offense to an Mm -hmm. NFL offense. That was my concern. Um, And we'll see. Uh, You know, Hugh Jackson has a a way of building guys up publicly, and then then they're not very good in games like Deshaun Cutts. He also said, by the way, that, that, you know, he was not going to play – Baker Mayfield, the Tyrod Taylor was the starter. Well, he said, but he said that he said if Mayfield earned the job, they wouldn't hold him back. It's so funny. There's one thing he has. It's so funny. Um, Yeah. Of course he's going to play. He's number one draft pick. If he's ready at some point, he's going to play. If it's ready week one, then he's going to play week one. I've said this the entire time. Everyone's talking about Tyrod Taylor starting a whole season. Get out of here. The Browns, look, Hugh Jackson's got to win now, right? He's 1-31 as a head coach. Um, And if Baker Mayfield presents him the best opportunity to win now, um, then he's going to play. I mean, the Browns do. The Browns are a mess. Miles Garrett, the DN sitting out of that day in year two on day four of camp. I mean, it's just, it's just soft. They're just soft, man. And so maybe Baker Mayfield can bring some toughness back to the organization. We've got a, just an absolutely insane story coming out of Wisconsin about a guy that has been charged with a couple of felonies that could land him six years apiece in jail if he is convicted of them. You're not going to believe this story. We're going to take a break a little bit early here so we have the time to really lay this out. you got to be a really big Arizona basketball fan to do what this guy did. We will try and explain it to you next. Don't miss it. Don't even think about getting out of your cars. You've never heard anything like this. It's next on OutKick. Welcome back in live from the Geico OutKick studios. 15 minutes could uh, save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit Geico.com for a free rate quote. And just let this play for the rest of the segment far as i'm concerned jeff schwartz is in charlotte i'm jason martin still remember how to do this and appreciate clay not changing the locks 
here in the studio here all week. Clay will be back next week. I'm not even sure what he's doing. I should probably unmute him on Twitter. But my life's better without it. He's he's with his family in Michigan. So his wife's family. Ah. Uh, yeah. Okay. At least he's not at the beach again. I so he was going to Jeff beach. Jeff, I need to talk to you and ask you if you know who Kevin Caton is, because you're never going to forget him after we lay out this story. Uh, I am unaware, but I have seen the story, and you may proceed. 51-year-old Kevin Caton was the finance manager. I say was. I guess he technically is the finance manager of a car dealership in Illinois. Right now, he's been charged with felony identity theft for financial gain and unauthorized use of an entity's identifying information. Charges carry maximum potential sentences of six years each. So what exactly did he do? This sounds pretty bad. This sounds awful. It sounds like uh, Chris Hansen investigation on Dateline from like eight years ago. But according to police in Wisconsin, he impersonated staff at a small town in Wisconsin's restaurant to get the Pac-12 network added to their cable package so he could watch a December Arizona Wildcats basketball game while he was visiting the area for the weekend. (laughs) What? Like, this is a real thing. Like, that is an actual sentence that I read from this article from Awful Announcing, and it's a real sentence that could actually be leveled on this guy. Six years each with these charges. The police began investigating in February after the business manager of Buffalo Phil's noticed a significant increase in the restaurant's cable bill and contacted authorities. They obtained 11 phone calls that were recorded by the cable provider in December. A man who identified himself as Pat Barkley, I really hope that's some takeoff on Matt Barkley, Asked to add the Pac-12 channel to the restaurant's cable package. Mentioned wanting to watch an Arizona Wildcats basketball game later that week. Officers would then later travel to Illinois to visit his workplace, but he declined to speak with them. They followed up with a co-worker to ask about his demeanor after they left. And when you start to look at all of this and like all of the intricacy that actually was done just the lengths that this guy went to i figure he doesn't know that you could stream that's mentioned in the article even if you're doing it illegally what you're doing is also illegal my man made 11 phone calls to get a channel added into a restaurant in another state to watch an arizona basketball game and what was the game it could have been one of a few different ones they couldn't nail down exactly what date it was could have been arizona state which would make sense because at least that is some kind of a rivalry game. The other choices would have been New Mexico or North Dakota State. I really desperately want this guy to have done this, to have watched North Dakota State versus Arizona, but Jeff, I doubt it. Have you ever heard anything this ridiculous in your life? Uh, I I would like to make a joke about the Pac-12 networks, but considering I work for the Pac-12 networks, I I will stay away I'm not going to go into the carriage issues or anything else there. Um, uh, this is an amazing story. I'll cover at least a segment of ours tonight on my show on Sirius XM Radio, Channel 373 from 6 to 9 p.m. <laughs> Did you guys okay. see oh, how okay. the Wisconsin police tracked him down? Uh, yeah, there have been a couple of different ways. I think the best, <laughs> the best, the best thing is the fact that they tell you every time you make a phone call like this, calls may be recorded 
Right. For quality in uh, quality assurance so, purposes. In the background, he used his real name, and then he sells cars for a living. They he- overheard someone purchasing a car in the background and mentioning a, a second uh, the name of the place where he worked. So, uh, yeah, if you're gonna um, you know try to get away with that, you need to put your phone on mute. Um, How big a fan do you have to be? You can stream it online. To feel the need to have watched this game in a random restaurant bar while you're vacationing in Wisconsin. I work for the Pac-12, like I said. Well, I don't. I work for Sirius, but the Pac-12 network. I don't have Pac-12 uh, network at home. I have DirecTV, so I don't even get to watch some of these games. I have to like borrow a friend's password, or they they do like they, for football. They have game, you know, game like um, game recaps and and uh, condensed games on Mondays. So I don't even go to the bar and watch these. This is this is yeah. This is a dedicated Arizona Wildcats fan. I might have to get him on our show. I mean, I feel like this is a a, a guy that would add some some much needed color to the Arizona Wildcats. Felony identity theft for financial gain and unauthorized use of an entity's identifying information. Each charge six years. Can you imagine this guy going to jail for twelve years because he needed to see Arizona, Arizona State. In December, Dude, a sport on, that man. we all know is now only three weeks long. That's a that's an important game out west. I'm just I have no idea. I'm just saying that. And you're the one that should know it. If any if anybody on this show should know that, it should be you. <laughs> I mean it's it's a it's a it's a rivalry game. I mean I, I wouldn't Oregon Oregon State. I try to watch, but I'm not going to a bar to impersonate someone to watch it. And if you were, maybe you'd do it near the state of Oregon, at least. The fact that it's in Wisconsin, to me, and he's from Illinois trying to get to Arizona, to me, makes it even better. Now, we've already talked a lot about the Lions in this show. We're going to talk more about them to open. Matt Patricia, hard practices in Detroit, plus Dan Orlovsky coming up, hour two, here on Outkick. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Visit geico.com for a free rate quote, hour two. Here on a Monday, hope yours is starting out as well as ours is. Talked a lot of football in that first hour. Also, that ridiculous story out of Wisconsin that's going to help Jeff on his Pac-12 show later on. Sometimes you're scrounging for content. Sometimes you have too much. This would be a story that would been even better a couple of months ago. But still, just crazy. Absolutely ridiculous. If you missed that, good reason to subscribe to the Outkick podcast as many others have already done and that others includes millions Jeff correct me if I am wrong you played for Carolina under both John Fox and Ron Rivera in his first season is that right or am I wrong about that you are correct okay the reason I ask that is because and you see this every year and I want somebody's opinion on it that that has really gone through it the culture shock when a new coach comes in and there is a philosophy change in some respect or maybe this guy's harder than the other guy was on certain things. Matt Patricia, uh, there have been a lot of articles written over the last few days that he is really putting the Lions through the ringer in terms of harder practices than they're used to. According to ESPN.com, have players lay down on the ground, offense on one side, defense on the other. At the whistle, they pop back up and the offensive player then had to try to beat the defensive player one-on-one. They ran a modified Oklahoma drill. One example of the physicality and intensity under Patricia. He's making them run when they miss plays. He's making them run more often. He is actually doing a little bit of live tackling, which is something Jim Caldwell seemed to be completely against. So there's a lot of things 
that Matt Patricia is doing. His first training camp practice on Friday opened with goal line strategy because Matt sees it as very important and the Lions struggled in it so badly in 2017. So I just, I'm just i just curious when a new coach comes in how difficult or how different, how much of a change that can be, especially if you've played under a guy for a couple of years. Like I said, you were under John Fox for a few seasons. It wasn't like one season and then another season a coach came in. Caldwell had been in that gig for a little while, so I just wonder what the how, how different that is for those players. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, obviously, it's going to be very different with a new coach. And so Jim Caldwell, I played there with Jim Caldwell in, um, that's right. in Detroit. Very laid-back training camp, right? And that's always the way he's been. He's been in one of these training camps, even when he was with Indianapolis. It's very relaxed, not a lot of yelling. Uh, we hit we hit a decent amount, actually. Um, he would double up these periods. He would actually, you know, we had inside run, essentially nine on seven, and we had a, like a team pass, and he would make, he would actually split the field in two. He'd put the ones and twos on one field, the threes and fours, to get actually more reps. So we actually did hit a decent amount for being a laid-back camp. Um, and and you had bringing Matt Patricia in, who's a New England disciple, with a, they have a New England GM and Bob Quinn, a New England strength coach and Harold Nash. They're going to do things like like the Patriots, and they're going to run a tough training camp. I actually text a buddy of mine on that team yesterday. He said, "Yeah, it's not that big of a difference. It's really not a problem." Um, hmm. I think it's more that the 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 media members watching practice, it's so different for them to to see uh, a lot more hitting, probably a lot more yelling, uh, a lot more structure on, you know, or excuse me, focus, I should say, on goal line early in camp, because it doesn't really happen very early in camp, especially not without pads on. They did the first two days without pads on. Um, and that's not surprising to me that he's going hard in his first year. But look, Andy Reid runs, I would have to imagine, the toughest camp uh, for uh, the new CBA. I mean, he is three hours every day, full pads, and they do live tackling every other day for a period or two. It's ones versus twos typically, so it's not you're not having. You know, back when I was there, it wasn't Derek Johnson tackling Jamal Charles. It was a backup linebacker tackling Jamal Charles, and vice versa the other way around. So, um, I think it, in training camp now, without the two days, you have to be a little bit tougher with camp. Uh, in my opinion, I'm fine with it. I think it makes for better players. You know, if you can stay healthy, obviously people worry about the health factor here. But I have no problem with Matt Patricia pushing the envelope a little bit, trying to set a new tone in Detroit. Uh, but like I said, I, I talked to the players; they don't seem very upset by the by you know by the new camp. We talked to a guy, Dave Burkett, yesterday covers them uh, on, on NFL radio, and he's like, look, it's, it's not that big of a difference. It's just that for us media members, we haven't seen these type of practices in years. Um, so not not a big deal, Jason. Well, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, not by any means. I was just curious I was just curious for somebody that, that played in, a, in the different situations. Is this a bad thing for Caldwell? Like, does this make him look bad? No. Like, it seems like, or is it just a completely just different strategy to how things are done? It's just a different strategy. I don't think it makes. I mean, Caldwell's had results, right? He's won at different places, um, and so it, it does not. It does not surprise me um, that people are reacting that way. But it, it's no to me. To me, like I said, it's no uh, slight on Jim Caldwell. Everyone who's ever been around him thinks highly of him as a head coach. I did. I wasn't there very long, and I did. Like I said, we still managed to get a lot of reps in. It just wasn't. You know, it wasn't as intense from like the head coach, right? He's not he's not an intense individual. But I'll tell you what, when coaches are not yellers, 
you, it's easier to tell when they're upset and when they really mean something. So my offensive line coach in Kansas City, I loved him, Andy Heck, he's still there. He would he would say, do not mistake uh, the tone for the message. So he might not yell at us in the offensive line room, but we knew when he was upset. Like he would say, this is an ass chewing, like while he was in the middle of telling us something and not yelling to us. Like we knew when he was upset just by raising his tone a tiny bit without screaming at us. And Jim Caldwell was the same way. I remember being in the team meeting room and we left the team meeting room and we went to the offensive line room and the offensive line coach just said, you just got your butts chewed out by Caldwell. And we're like, yeah, we know. He didn't yell. He didn't yell at all. Like you just, you, you know with coaches that, that don't scream and yell and the vice versa, that obviously is, if your coach always screams and yells, you never really know if he really is upset or whether he's just always screaming and yelling. Right, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it does stand out more when it's rare. When it's very, very measured tones 95% of the time and every once in a while a gasket gets blown, you know when the gasket got blown. And you can see a difference between that. Um, yeah, I've always talked about that when it comes to pop culture. When you're watching TV and film, a lot of times a moment can be much more effective if everything surrounding that moment is very serene and calm. Because it does. It's just a complete change. It, it creates a roller coaster effect. Matt Patricia, I don't know if it, I, I didn't see it show that he was necessarily yelling. I don't know. When you talk to the, whoever you talk to, is he a yeller? Like, is he a yeller or was it just mainly he's just expecting a lot? Well, I mean, typically when you have a more intense camp, your coach tends to be a little bit louder. Um, Okay. I, I am assuming a little bit that he's like that. I guess I don't really know. No, I mean, I don't know. I just text him. I, I kind of dropped the subject because I was like, I was like, oh, all right. I mean, like, whatever. I mean, he's like, he said. So I you said, thought How? it could have been a big deal kind of like I did. And then he just kind of said, no, nah, it's really not, not that big a deal. I was, I wonder if this is just the way it was done in New England or if Patricia is even pushing it a little bit further because he had to wait so long to get this opportunity to be a head coach. And he wants to go out there, and he wants to show up. When I first read the article, I said, oh, okay, well, the Lions are going to be better as long as he doesn't, like, kill them or, you know, destroy their morale or whatever like that. It seems like this is a structured environment that they could use. But I think that's just kind of reading one article. We have no idea whether or not whatever he does is necessarily going to translate. Well, I don't think you and I ever talked about it. Do you? Did you like that hire? I mean, I was a fan of the hire. I thought he had earned his chance. There have been a lot of Belichick disciples that have not worked out as head football coaches, but obviously I think that this dude deserved his shot. And similar to Cleveland and Baker Mayfield, I'm much more interested in watching Detroit this year than I would have if they had picked almost anybody else. Good question. I'm okay with the hire, and I really – like it because they kept Jim Bob Cooter's OC. Um, I think he works really well with Stafford. I think nowadays you have to think offense all the time. So if you hire a defensive-minded head coach, you better have the right coordinator in place. Um, and I think that, that they did that right. And look, we've seen you know Josh McDaniels leave, Romeo Cornell. Leave. We've seen a bunch of ex-Belichick disciples leave and not do as well. And I think Josh McDaniels will eventually get another opportunity, maybe maybe not after what he did at the Colts this year. Yeah. Um, and look, Josh McDaniels had Tim Tebow, and he, had, you know, he was never going to win very much with uh, with Tim Tebow. By the way, no more Tebow watch. I'm so disappointed. I, I got blamed for that. Year. I had people tweeting me saying, yeah, I leave the show, and within a month, Tebow's baseball season comes to an end. I thought about doing something, but I wasn't sure how to do it tastefully today and doing a Tebow watch and then just – asking uh, Roberto out there to just start playing crickets. 
Like um, as soon as we do the T-bill watch. Well, this is good for him because he can go to his re- back to his regular job on time. Um, so, uh, so, hater, man. <laughs> Such a hater. <laughs> so, Josh McDaniel. I'm just saying, like, I, I did this test. I tweeted out, I believe, a stat line for someone else that was around T-bill. I was like, w- would this guy be promoted to, to, to major leagues? And everyone's like, no, no. I'm like, well, thank you. Um, uh, he's done a good job in, in AA. I give you that. But you're not going to promote. I mean, you're only going to promote him if if for to sell tickets, which is fine. I mean, that's you know, people. The Mets aren't it's very the Mets, good. Jeff. I, I get it. Well, I understand. I understand. Um, so back to uh, back to the the, the Patriots disciples. I, yeah. I, I'm. Uh, yeah, I think Patricia has done a good job. The one thing I do worry about a little bit is you know how much control did he have of that defense. Versus mm-hmm. how much you know the Belichick do for him. I think Patricia called plays every Sunday, but how much of the game planning was him versus Belichick? Do you, you think know, being, what do you think that's been a problem in the past? Like when you look at guys like Cornell well, no. in particular, where maybe they uh, got more yeah. credit or or maybe not. Well, I don't know. I mean, the thing about it is, a head coach. You know, a lot of defensive minded head coaches don't call the defenses during the games. Um, you know, like I play for Ron Rivera, he's not calling the defense during the game. Uh, Leslie Frazier's not calling the defense during the game. Um, so you have to be a willing and able as a defensive head coach to know everything because you have to be part of everything. Like offensive coaches, interesting. Offensive coaches spend almost their entire time with the offense. They call the plays typically as a head coach. They, and they hire really good and veteran defensive coordinators. So two examples come to mind. One, Sean McVay hires Wade Phillips, right? You handle the defense. I'll handle the offense. Yeah, I know what the defense is doing, but like you just do that. I do offense, and I'll right. do game management. Andy Reid right. hired Bob Sutton, old veteran defensive coordinator. You do your thing. I'll do the offense. But a defensive coordinator who becomes a head coach um, – does you know let someone else call the plays on offense? Let someone call play defense. It just has to understand how to manage games. And look, Patricia hasn't had that opportunity yet. So I think that he's very obviously very bright. He's a freaking rocket scientist. Um, and so I'm excited to see how he does. I think they, there's talent there. I like Matt Stafford. Obviously, they they have some players on deep. They need a pass rush really badly. They failed this offseason to really address the pass rush issue. And, and if Ansa comes back healthy, he's on. I think he's on the uh, the pup right now. That would be a big bonus for them. But um, offensively loaded, they might have the, the most underrated wide, wide receiver core in the NFL um, with Tate and Marvin Jones and, and Galladay, who played really well as a rookie last year. I'm going to put a pin in this. Hopefully we'll be able to get back to it. Just the idea, it seems like you're kind of saying that it's tougher for a defensive coordinator in most cases I think to now, jump I think into now, that head coach I think role. now also in the, our era that we're in right now, with off an offensive explosion, um, and I just by the way I texted my buddy in Detroit again and said like this is being becoming a big deal. He said football is football, man, not a big deal. All right, well somebody else that well he's becoming a big deal and he knows a lot about football is Dan Orlovsky. On the other side, we will bring him in. We'll talk about these quarterback situations, Baker Mayfield and his RV out there with Tyrod Taylor. I don't know if they're playing Fortnite. I have no idea what they're doing out there, but we'll ask him about that. We'll talk to him a lot about the Lions. We'll talk to him about RPOs, everything coming up with Dan Orlovsky. Stick around. It is Monday. It is OutKick. It is Fox Sports Radio. Welcome back to the Geico OutKick Studios. Jay Martin, Jeff, in for Clay all week. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want, so you can recognize a good price when you see it. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, visit True Car to enjoy a more confident, car buying 
experience. Jeff Schwartz in Charlotte. I'm Jason Martin in Nashville. Clay is off this week. He's in Michigan. He will be back next week. I wonder if he is trying to find Jim Harbaugh while he's up there. Not a big Harbaugh fan is Clay Travis. I think you know that if you've been listening to the Outkick the Coverage radio program over the last year or so, or at least in terms of him being overrated. A guy that's not overrated is Dan Orlovsky, media superstar. We at least tried to get him early on, and we knew it was going to be a meteoric rise, and it has been. Dan, first off, congratulations on all the success that you've found recently. Good morning to you. Good morning. Appreciate it, man. Good morning. So we let off this show with Mike Sando's ESPN Insider list uh, where he talks to the 50 people inside the league in varying capacities to get their thoughts on the quarterbacks, ranking them 1-32. to And there were only four quarterbacks in the first tier with Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, both tied at one, then Drew Brees and Ben Roethlisberger. Is that the way you would look at it? Do you think Ben Roethlisberger and Drew Brees are still three and four in the league, or do you like a couple of guys maybe outside of that that should maybe also be considered? I think those guys are deserving to be up there. I mean, putting them there today is somewhat interesting because they are on the, the, the closer to the back end. I mean, you've got to put Russell Wilson into the conversation, uh, Matthew Stafford, Matt Ryan. Those guys have got to be in the conversation. I mean, Russell, it's been well documented. Doesn't he does more than any other quarterback in the NFL for his team? Uh, Rodgers has got to be up there. Trust me, I've, I've played against the guy like 15 times. He's got to be in that that top tier. Matthew Stafford, I I go to bat for all the time. Matt Ryan's two years removed from being the MVP of the league, so uh, I think there's some other people, you know, some other guys player wise that would have to somewhat be at least in the discussion for those top four or top five spots. But I think Roethlisberger and Breeze belong, absolutely. All right, so you mentioned Stafford, and we talked a good bit about Stafford when we were going through the list. He came in in seventh place, according to the uh, Mike Sando list this year. Matthew Stafford, uh, is he a Hall of Famer? Jeff said he thinks he is. I want to say that maybe he said you had said he was as well. I don't know just because I know that he hasn't had that kind of postseason success, but I don't know how much of that has been attributable to him because it looks like to me he has been on the cusp of being an elite player, if you want to call him, or if you want to say he hasn't been elite. He's been he's been playing awfully well for a couple of years now. Yeah, so kind of obviously it's an incredibly awesome talking point. My, my arguments are, is Joe Flacco a Hall of Famer? And is Trent Dilfer a Hall of Famer? And is Sean King a Hall of Famer? I mean, some of those guys have had some postseason success, so to say, at the, the, at the position. But no one's putting them even in the, the, the conversation of going into the Hall of Fame. So, you know, I think Matthew Stafford is on his way. I think he'll probably get there with – if he performs the next five years like he has the past five years, it's going to be hard to not have them be a part of it, especially, yes, if they get into the playoffs, because that's the, I guess, what everyone wants to say. Well, he's never been to the playoff or never won a playoff game. So if, if he continues to do the things that he's done, the fourth-quarter comebacks, the mind eye-pop, mind-boggling, eye-popping stats, he's going to, he's going to get in there because he's going to threaten the, the yardage record. At, you know, over the next five or six years, if he continues to play well, he's going to threaten that yardage record. So, um I, I don't get caught up in the playoff wins just as much as everybody else. I, I, I believe that the, the quarterback position is so much more dependent on what's around you rather than what's not. So I think he'll end up getting in. 
So you mentioned Russell Wilson, and he was in six. Matt Ryan was in five. I just had one quick follow-up. If you had a choice between Matthew Stafford and Matt Ryan, who would you rather have as your quarterback if you had the same weapons? You mean the best friends? Um, you know, <laughs> uh, I would probably say Matthew Stafford, and this is my reason why. Matthew Stafford, strictly because of the, the things he can do with his arm, Matthew can make throws that most other quarterbacks don't even think about making. And for that reason and just that special, special talent, I would choose Stafford over Ryan. But, yeah, I'd like to have them both if I could. But I'll, right. I'll, I'll take Stafford. Let's talk some rookie quarterbacks here. I, I want to I want to pick your brain on this story. So Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, and Drew Stan all get an RV. They park it outside of the facility or in the parking lot. I think this is basically a, a social media thing, like a sign just to show everyone that, that they're cool. Um, I don't really buy that they're hanging out in this RV very often. There's a quarterback room they can hang out in and watch film. And I just think that Baker Mayfield should be, every free second he gets should be preparing for the season, especially as a rookie. What's your take on this RV situation? Yeah, it's interesting. You know, I know Drew Stanton really well. I played with them. We were both young quarterbacks in the NFL together. And we were kind of, he got drafted my third year in the NFL, early in the second round. And I remember initially going, I'm going to hate this guy. Because I was still trying to prove myself and have the opportunity to start. And Drew was coming. He was a Michigan kid, went to Michigan State, and drafted by the Lions. So uh, I was like, I'm going to hate this guy. We ended up becoming very close friends. And I think Drew is taking all these lessons he's learned throughout his career and trying to implement them i wouldn't be surprised if this was drew's idea realizing how important that quarterback room is i'm probably leaning towards agreeing with you jeff baker mayfield doesn't come off as this you know chummy chummy hey let's let's just have fun when i'm trying to take your job and you're standing in my way type of guy so uh, i think that there's a part of this that is probably coming down from the top from a veteran player and drew stanton and say guys let's all hang out together and i think baker mayfield's being a good soldier about it and okay this i'm just going to go along with this but at the same time he's going yep i'm going to take your job and then i'm going to take your job <laughs> and next year we're going to do it my way so uh I, I just think he's being a good soldier for right now i know it's super early in camp but we're starting to get reports out of buffalo with josh allen and out of cleveland with with baker mayfield who i, I kind of feel bad that Hugh Jackson is praising him so much so early because I think that that's going to could end up in disaster eventually um and and Lamar Jackson Sam Darnold not in camp we've heard nothing about Josh Rosen I think actually Arizona is a perfect place for him to kind of just under the radar quietly uh build up his his young season uh but from Lamar Jackson Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield um what are you gathering information from how those guys are performing in camp so far well, let's touch on the Josh Allen thing because I, I got I got a lot of flack yesterday on Twitter about this. So, and I read probably the same thing that you is the Bills throughout the day. You know, Josh Allen would get a couple reps with the first yes. team and then a couple reps with the second team and a couple reps with the third team. That this is why it's problematic because I sent out a tweet saying most quarterbacks in the NFL are ruined than they are made. So, quarterbacking is is ninety nine percent what you do between the snap or outside of the snap it's not necessarily how you're performing at the position especially early on josh allen's got to get a rhythm he's got to understand what it's like to walk into that first huddle all the time 
He's got to understand what it's like to take that snap and communicate to everybody in the huddle, communicate at the line of scrimmage, work with those receivers. And so when he gets six plays here and 12 plays here and 18 plays there with a bunch of different guys, no one benefits from it. The receivers don't benefit from it. The linemen, Jeff, you know what it's like to walk into a huddle. You you don't necessarily look at the quarterback. You want to hear his voice. Yeah. And so that voice is a big deal. Those offensive linemen need to – it's it's like a, a almost like a shepherd leading sheep. Like you need to listen to that voice, and I I want him in there. If they, they didn't draft him to uh, to sit, it, they they drafted him to be their future. And so I, I don't mind if they said, "Hey, Josh Allen, on Monday you're with the ones all day, and on Tuesday you're with the twos all day, and on Wednesday you're with the threes all day." That's fine. That's development. But to Go back and forth all day with them. It may. It, there's no continuity, and I don't care if it's day one of camp or day 27. So, I just get concerned with that. Like, what, what's the point? There's no rhythm to it. Um, I haven't heard great things about Lamar Jackson in camp. I, I think he has some wow moments, and then some. Okay, he's he's missing a lot of throw moments. Um, Baker Mayfield, I agree. They're they're praising him. It's not surprising. Um, you know, he's the first picture. You want all positive vibes going on and throughout your camp but um the josh allen one caught my attention yeah i was i was on the same page with you with josh allen i want to ask you a question about kind of i'm not sure there's a great answer for this but we've talked about this privately and and a little bit publicly so you you have a guy like a baker mayfield transitioning from the air raid offense to a pro offense and people often wonder why are pro offensive calls so worried? Now, of course, there are systems where you eventually, you know, Jim Bob in Detroit, you you eventually get to two words for the formation, the play, and everything else. But you have to start with a base of kind of the entire play. And people, I think, have a hard time grasping why NFL offenses just can't you you, you can't say ninety five and everyone knows what they're doing. Like why why do you have to install offenses with so many words at a base level? Well. You know, it's just like learning the alphabet. You'll never be able to read unless you know what every letter sounds like. And that's why you teach as a little kid. You don't want your little kids just to memorize what a word looks like. You want them to understand what the letter sounds like. And it's the same with learning an NFL offense. You want these quarterbacks to completely understand everything that's going on with the play. Why the formation is called, you know, zero outside slot. Okay, so what does that even mean? And then why is the protection 2-jet or 4-jet or 522? See, what is my protection? Okay, what's the flaw of the protection? You can't just call it, hey, bangle. Well, that means nothing to me. I'm just I'm memorizing the destination rather than trying to figure out the journey. And so that's a big reason is you're giving these players, these young quarterbacks, tools. And part of giving them the tools is these words that go along with these play calls. So over time, they built this Rolodex of information and understanding. And then when it's time to go execute, they can always go back to those tools. But it's just, again, like reading the word. If I don't know what a letter sounds like, I have no idea how to read. And that's why it's important to build it up from the baseline and then let it grow. Let, let it develop. And then you can refine and refine and refine it. But you don't want to start small and go big because then it's an impossible thing to erase. Dan Orlovsky is our guest on OutKick. You can follow him on Twitter at DanOrlovsky7. Dan, I saw some rumblings coming from inside the New York Giants organization that they're a little worried about all the hype 
that's being placed on Saquon Barkley. When you look at him, and obviously he was kind of the glitzy player in the draft. He was the one that's kind of gotten a lot of attention since the draft, especially outside of the quarterbacks. When you look at what he's done so far and just maybe the pizzazz and the hoopla surrounding him, do you feel bad for him, or do you think he's going to be able to live up to this? I think he'll be able to live up to it. Well, you know, I don't feel bad for him, and I think it's justified. It's, I mean, it's justified because when you take a guy that early at a position other than quarterback, does he have physical skills? This guy's off-the-charts physical skills. Well, does he have character, off-the-chart character? What's his work ethic like? Incredible. And so he's got every you know, checked box that you're looking for when you go, this guy's going to be awesome. And so I don't, I'm, I'm excited for him. I think he's ready to handle it. Um, I think he's going to live up to it. I really do. That offensive line is certainly remade. Odell coming back is huge. Ingram another year. It's going to totally change how defenses can play against them. And if Saquon can be a shell of what they're hoping for, especially early on. Because if he can have that impact early on, then they're going to, then it gets interesting. Because if, if they come out in that first month and he has two 120-yard games or something like that, and Odell is playing at a high level with a couple big catches vertically stretching the field, then defenses are really going to have to figure out how they want to play him. You know, something that's getting a little bit lost, and I did some, some looking into this, is Pat Shermer's known to be like this quarterback guru, and rightfully so. But Shermer's been an offensive coordinator role, head coach guy, for nine years in the NFL. Only once his, his starting back, or running back by committee, but starting running back, not had over 1,200 yards. And that was in Cleveland with Trent Richardson. And so, hmm. I mean, Steven Jackson had 1,400 and 1,200, and then Shady was 1,600 and 1,400 DeMarco Murray and Ryan Matthews are four. I mean, just a lot of these backs have had success under Pat Shermer, and I think that bodes really, really well for Saquon moving forward. I think he's going to be huge for them. What's Andrew Luck going to be, Dan? Like, we know he's in camp now, and he's, he's saying the right things. They're saying he doesn't look too worse for the wear. Is that one of the biggest questions this entire season is whether or not Andrew Luck still has all of what Andrew Luck had before the Colts made the mistake and kept trying to put him out there hurt? 100% because there's no storyline or person in the NFL that's got immediate and long-term impact like Andrew Luck. For the whole NFL and for the Colts, we know what the Colts are organizationally when he's healthy. They're a, a, a playoff team, if not at worst a fringe playoff team. We know what he is as a player. He's an MVP candidate when he's healthy. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. But he's also the next decade-long starting quarterback for the Colts. And if he gets back to what he used to be, then the Colts are back into the driver's seat when it comes to that position and feeling great coming off of the Peyton era. And if he's not – then then they've got a really, really big problem because everyone knows how hard it is to find a guy. Now, I'm in the, I'm in the, the camp that thinks he's going to be just as good, if not better, because absence makes the heart grow fonder. And he's never had this period of time in his life when he's been away from football like this, when he's had it taken away from him. And you can hear him talk how excited he is, how con- confident he is. Just looking at him, he looks like Captain America. And so... Uh, I think he's really healthy, and, um, you know, Frank Reich is a huge part of what they're going to do moving forward, and so I expect Luck to pick up. I think it's going to take him a month to really get his feet wet, but I think after that he'll pick up right where he left off. 
Last question for me, Dan, and as we head into this season, I think the trend is going to be teams trying to run more of these run-pass options, these RPOs. I'm not sure it will be very successful, but do you see that being a, a copycat trend this this year, at least for probably the first four to six weeks of the season? I do. You know, teams are definitely going to try to run it because you can see the success rate of it. I agree it's not going to be as easy. You know, it's just like any other offense that, that teams run. Oh, we're just going to run the West Coast. Well, if your coaches aren't really adept to um, understanding the West Coast offense and how it works together and pairing things, then you're just throwing stuff at the wall and hope it sticks. It's, it's just like any other offensive scheme. So the, the, a coaching staff needs to truly understand RPOs and how they work and why they go together and whatnot. It's not as easy as the play itself makes it seem. And so there's going to be more teams trying to run it. Now you need to have the guys to do it too. It's harder on a quarterback than people think because it's not just as easy as numbers. You know, it, it, it used to be, and that's part of it, but you need to have a guy really understanding rotation, um, what's the box count like, where the offensive linemen are going, who's my read off of, what's the defense doing. So you need to have a guy who is constantly able to think about that stuff. Sounds easy, hard to do. And then I think, you know, you better have a tight end or, or guys that can give you information before the snap because I've said this, defenses are just going to start playing man-to-man and shutting down the pass concept of the RPO and your quarterback's going to be in the, the, the back of the pocket you know, not handing the ball off and going, uh-oh, nobody's open. So you better have a guy that um, can tell your quarterback if it's man or not before the snap and then have options for him. So teams will try to do it. I don't think it's going to be this crazy as it's going to take over the NFL. Dan, you're the best, buddy. Thanks for uh, getting up early with us this morning. God bless. We'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate you guys. Man, that guy is good. Also good, Eddie Garcia. Let's bring him in, find out what happened. Let's get the latest in the world of sports. All right, boys, let's uh, get you caught up on action from the Diamond on Sunday, including a near no-hitter in Atlanta where starter Sean Newcomb for the Braves was one strike away from getting that no-hitter. Unfortunately for him and the Braves, LA's Chris Taylor broke it up with a single to the left side of the infield. Braves go on for the 4-1 win over the Dodgers. Diamondbacks beat the Padres 5-4, so Arizona's now just a half game back of L.A. for the NL West lead. Phillies were blanked by the Reds 4-0. Philadelphia's lead on Atlanta atop the NL East is down to a game and a half. Rockies over the A's 3-2. Colorado remains a half game back of Arizona for that final wildcard spot in the National League. And the Mariners beat the Angels 8-5. Seattle's lead on Oakland for that final wildcard spot in the American League is now at two games. Baseball news, the Hall of Fame class for 2018 officially inducted on Sunday. They include Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei, Vladimir Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, Jack Morris, and Alan Trammell. This report brought to you by TrueCar. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from TrueCar. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car. So visit TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Thank you, Eddie. Coming to you live from those Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance. Go to Geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. Dan Orlovsky is fantastic. If you missed any of that, go grab the podcast through Apple or Stitcher or whatever it is, Google Play, whatever your podcast catcher is of choice. Get yourself subscribed to get the updates every day to this show. Orlovsky was fantastic. Jeff, you asked him about RPOs. We talked about it in the first hour. I said every day this week we're going to have a segment where we're going to make you football smart. You might have heard the term RPO, but up next we're going to have you explain it in much more detail why it is a trend, 
And as you heard there, Dan Orlovsky saying, maybe not going to be so successful. That's next. Outkick the coverage, Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of the Geico Outkick Studios. Outkick the coverage radio program on the air here on Fox Sports Radio. Jeff Schwartz, Jason Martin, and for Clay Travis this week. Your new delicious dinner routine starts at HelloFresh. Simple recipes and fresh pre-measured ingredients delivered right to your door. Prepare most meals in 30 minutes or less. Get 30 bucks off your first box at HelloFresh.com slash Clay. HelloFresh.com slash Clay. Get 30 bucks off your first box at HelloFresh. Dan Orlovsky, I was tweeting this out, is about as good this fast as being an analyst as I've ever seen. That dude was phenomenal again, and every time you hear him, he sounds better. Like, the stuff he breaks down and the way he contextualizes it, Jeff, the way he breaks out those analogies and things, that dude was made to do this. He's fantastic, and he's worked his way really quickly up. I'm not surprised, and he'll he'll do some studio stuff for ESPN. He'll do mostly college football for them, and he'll obviously call some games. I think that's what he wants to do uh, more than anything. So um, he's a great voice in, in the media already. He's obviously worked hard to get to where he's at, and um, I bounce a lot of stuff off him because he's so bright from the quarterback. You know, there's a lot of things I theories I have in my head about quarterback play, and I always try to bounce it off him. Luckily, I'm, I'm more right than wrong so that's a good start when we talk about quarterback play so we got like four and a half minutes i want to try and make people football smart i hope that's enough time to explain rpos jeff um i could let me let me if try not, to get we done. can do another story and we'll do it in the third hour um do we have an animal thunderdome for today i don't know that we do like i actually forgot animal thunderdome was a thing because it's been so uh, long. How dare you? You were focused on uh, wrecking Tebow's career. That's why. Yeah, exactly. I'll tell you what. Let's talk about Tom Brady and Alex Guerrero real quick. Yeah, Tom let, Brady, let's do that. Saturday, first time he has spoken at camp. He cuts his news conference short. He gets asked whether or not he has any reaction to people who have linked Alex Guerrero, obviously his personal trainer, TB12 method, whole deal, to Julian Edelman's four-game suspension for violating the NFL's performance-enhancing substance policy. He says, I have no comment. It is just ridiculous. I'm out. See you guys. And then he literally rolled like he was Cartman in the first season of South Park, and he was straight up out. He talked for like four minutes before that, I think. They asked that question, and he was done. You got it. Look, I'm not necessarily saying anything happened. But it does seem like a viable question to ask, right? I mean, of course it Edelman does. was with Guerrero. Like, why would you not think that that – I mean, he had to know that question was coming, but that's not an out-of-bounds question. Well, I don't think he thinks it's an out-of-bounds question. I think he doesn't want to answer it. I mean, what's he going to say? He's going to throw his own trainer under the bus? Obviously, um, well, I really, I guess the implication would be that maybe Tom Brady's taking something if, if Edelman's right. taking it. And um, I get why Tom doesn't want – that would really throw a wrench into TB12, wouldn't it, if he's been juicing for 20 years? Uh, yeah, um, a little bit, yeah. It, it, would, it wouldn't be able to sell his, his product afterwards. Uh, question I think 12. is Question I think is very valid. His answer is fine with me. Don't want to answer it. I'm not surprised he wasn't going to answer it. Um, but if you're a reporter worth your salt, you're going to ask the question anyways. And look, there is, I think, a link, obviously, between 
Edelman, Guerrero, and Brady. I mean, I don't know how there's not. And obviously, you know, Brady hasn't tested positive. I'm, I'm not accusing him of taking uh, PEDs anyways. Um, but if your trainer who you vouch for, who supposedly, by the way, they said is actually gained his access back to the facility for a training camp, is there every day, and he's training someone. And look, it's not always the trainer's responsibility to make sure that, that their players are clean. I mean, they can give us products, and they can also just – guys can take their own products, right? I mean, I've been – at a gym where guys went off, um, were gone for a couple of days. We didn't know where they were, and they ended up testing positive for steroids a couple of weeks later. So we figured they were. That's when they started juicing. They got their they they got their stuff, and so you know you can do it on your own. You don't have to do it with a trainer. But it's definitely a valid question. I think you agree with me on that. I like when reporters ask tough questions. Yeah, I mean, you should be expected to take it. Do you think it's a bad look for Brady not to just stand there and just say, "I'm not going to comment on that." I think it's crazy, but not just end the press conference and walk away. It seemed like that move was a little bit of grandstanding when it was unnecessary. What do you want him to say? I don't mean I don't know. I'm just saying he doesn't have to say anything. He can no comment it, but just to walk away from the press conference is what I'm, I'm saying. Maybe it was the end of the press conference too. Um, I just think he was kind of like want to talk about. You know how Belichick's always like, we're just here talking about today. We're talking about like someone asked Belichick about the anthem the other day. They asked, yeah, like, they asked about that, and they asked him about Malcolm Butler, and, and he refused to answer either one of them. And the, he you know, he just mumbled something about the anthem. He's like, well, it's just we talk about today, and that's what we do about today. And I was like, that's and I was like, it was dude, it was unbelievable. It's so Belichick. Um, I love how. Belichick and, and Popovich just get away with this all the time. But if it's a young coach, he gets lambasted on Twitter for acting like this. Yeah, but I'm just I'm I'm not really saying that Tom Brady had to say anything. It just seemed to me. I mean, Belichick at least doesn't answer for four minutes. I just I I, I would have stuck around. I don't know how many follow ups he was going to get about Alex Guerrero, but it seemed to me the way he walked away it was just like if. I wanted to believe that Tom Brady had something to hide. The way he stalked off after that moment and said, "I'm out." doesn't necessarily lend a, a ton of credibility Correct. to him just because it seems so I'm not going to talk about this I'm not I don't have to listen to these wild allegations and that, that just that didn't work for me RPOs what are they we will tell you next so you'll be smarter we're coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios, hour number three of the Monday edition of the Outkick, the coverage radio program here on Fox Sports Radio. If you want to join the fun, it's 877-99 on Fox. That's 877-996-6369. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on your car insurance. All you got to do to get that ridiculous deal is to visit geico.com and get yourself a free rate quote. Clay is back a week from today getting kind of recharged before the start of football season. He will be ready with the takes a week from today. I am in. I'm Jason Martin, along with former NFL offensive lineman Jeff Schwartz. Played eight years in the league. He's at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz on the tweets. I am at Zone. You can follow the show and follow the brand at OutKick. So we kind of punted on this story here, but I said each day this week, We are going to try and make you football smarter. We're going to talk about offensive line terminology later in the week and get you so that you really understand those concepts in a better way so that when you're watching football, you actually understand things on a different level. Well, if there's one thing that seems to be talked about constantly right now, it is an abbreviation. It's RPOs. It's, you know, Doug Peterson. It's a lot of teams in a league that seem to be moving towards this. And there are, I would say, at least 
three out of every four people that say something about RPOs that are not actually in the league or true football like insiders have no idea what they're actually talking about. So, and I know, Jeff, I saw you kind of tweet about this a little bit as well, not understanding RPOs, not you, but other people that are using it. I think you may have even written an article about it. So, I'll ask you a couple of questions as if I don't know anything about them. What is the RPO? Well, I'm not quite sure where to start here. I mean, I, so an, an RPO stands for run pass option. So you have the option to run the football or the option to pass the football. Um, the way people understand it now is it's a a spread offense concept that came from college to the NFL. However, run-pass options have been around for a while. Uh, Brett Favre was doing run-pass options in the 90s in the Packers offense, where they were running a traditional pro-style run from under center. Let's say they're running zone to the right, let's say. Zone to the right. And there's an extra player in the box, front side, and that player is unblockable by alignment. And instead of running into a terrible look, Brett Favre would just raise up and throw a slant to the backside wide receiver or throw the one-step hitch, uh, the smoke route, or throw a go, whatever he signaled out to the wide receiver. That is a run-pass option. It has been around for a long time. But we see now with these spread option quarterbacks, excuse me, spread offense quarterbacks coming from college football, and they run a lot of these RPOs, that's being labeled as a run-pass option. And it is, but it's been around the NFL for a while. And if you look at last year's numbers for the teams that ran the most of these run-pass options, I think the Eagles were about 18%, and the Chiefs were about 16 and the Packers were about 15 16 17% as well. Well, the Packers are not running RPOs as we think of them in shotgun. They're running what I just told you, what Favre has run, which is uh, Rogers under center. Um, he sees a bad box count, and boom, he throws the ball, and the offensive line is running the run play. So the base of a run pass option starts with a run. The the players up front, the offensive linemen, the tight end, the fullback, who's ever involved in the run, and maybe the front side wide receiver are all blocking run. So we hear a play. Let's say it's uh, it's ninety five. Uh, wide, um, and then it's tagged with you know 95 wide read, uh, bubble slant, whatever you want to, whatever, uh, bubble slant, whatever you want to say in the backside of it, bunch, stack, whatever you want to say. So that's running the ball to the left, 95, you're running wide, you're running outside zone. Um, offensive linemen, we are running zone to the left, we are running 95 wide. The read part, obviously, the quarterback is reading a specific player on a run pass option, um, or he's reading a look. And then if he doesn't like the look, he throws to the wide receiver running a bubble, slant, whatever you want to run on the backside, a go. There's many things to run on the backside. And the read part is interesting. So the read part can be many things. Um, we we know a zone read um, is a run play coming from college football that's made its way to the NFL. It's probably started in high school. And you're reading a player. So you're reading the backside defensive end. You're reading a linebacker. Maybe you're reading a safety in the box. Maybe you're reading the box count. You see too many guys in the box, you throw the ball or you run the ball. So it starts at a base concept of a read. So who are you reading? So you're reading a DN, let's say. Are you reading a, a line, the backside linebacker? And those those are two guys you read, by the way, when you're running the football because um, it 
also what it does it holds the backside eyes, so you, they're hard they're harder to, to pursue on the back because a lot of a lot of plays zone plays are run down by the backside defensive end or the backside linebacker who's unaccounted for or is really hard to block. So you're using that action of a run pass option that zone read action to hold one of those guys. Um, if it's a passing play, you're not really reading people; you are reading the box. So if there are too many players in the box for the offensive line to block, then you throw behind the down safety. So that's what the Eagles do a lot. The Eagles are not reading per se a player. They're reading the look. And that in that look, it could be the player. It could be the, the they're reading um, you know the safety down the box. So for my best example of this is in the in the NFC championship game, the Eagles were were reading Harrison safety, the safety. If he was Harrison Smith, if he was in the box at the snap, there are six blockers and there are seven defenders in the box. They would throw a slant behind um, Harrison Smith, who was down the box and he couldn't defend that that open window. Um, and so that's a run pass option from shotgun. Um, you're reading typically the look of the box, and if there are too many guys to block, you're throwing the run pass option, uh, the pass option. You actually, the run part of this, people often assume is the quarterback. It really is not. The quarterback doesn't have to keep the ball and run the ball very option. It's the illusion that he can keep the ball. It's the mesh point that all sells a defense on what's happening. There are ways to stop this. In the Super Bowl, we saw the Patriots stop the pass part of the run-pass option, and they did exactly what I thought they would do. They had a player, whether it was a defensive end or a linebacker lineup close to the line of scrimmage, at the snap of the ball, he dropped right back into the zone where they would throw that slant. The thing that worked was the Eagles are really good at running the football. They are a they had a great offensive line, even with Jason Peters not in the lineup. So New England was soft when they dropped that linebacker back into coverage, and New, and and Philadelphia kept the ball and and ran for some some big yards. And and when you drop that player back in that zone, the rest of your defense can be really aggressive, and they're not able to really read anybody. Um, it can still flow. So the question is, how does this play out this year in the NFL? Um, and I think to Dan's point, and I agree with him a little bit, teams will try this, but unless it's kind of your bread and butter, it's going to be hard to pull off unless your coaching staff really knows what it's doing. And like I said, there are ways to stop this. If you have a poor offensive line as an offense and can't run the football, RPOs don't really matter. Um, if you have a quarterback that doesn't really know exactly what they're looking for each and every play and easily confused, it won't work. If you had wide receivers that might not be able to get off press man coverage, and, and Dan is absolutely right, teams will start running man coverage on the backside of some of these looks to try to press wide receivers and then making the timing of the backside slant not look very good, and therefore the quarterback can get hit if you are not blocking the backside defensive end on one of these reads. So there's many reasons for an RPO. Um, they've been run for a while. Um, you know, you can, it basically gives the offense the option to do or take whatever the defense gives them. I like the concept, but like I said, I think it's something that if your coaching staff is not 100% capable of installing it and running it as a side to your base package, this will not be the package that you run all the time. Um, and also sometimes we confuse RPOs with play action passes. And those are really easy to tell if you look at the backside t- offensive tackle and a lot of these, if he's pass setting, it's a pass, not a, not a run pass option. Um, that often gets people confused. Chris Collinsworth, who I think does a good job, um, was thoroughly confused in the Super Bowl between a play action pass and between an RPO.
It's a lot of information right there. Probably information you're going to want to go back and listen to again because there were just so many things going on. When you look at it right now, the teams that already use the RPOs are the ones that you expect. I know here in Tennessee we're hearing a lot of RPO talk coming out of potentially using Marcus Mariota and what the Titans have uh, all around the field with Matt LaFleur and the new-look offense. But when you look at the league, who is it that does this the best? I know Philadelphia obviously does it very well. Well, Andy Reid and, and, um, has done a great job of it in, Phil, in, uh, in Kansas City, I should say. They were second or third last year in the amount of RPOs they ran, and they had Alex Smith, who's a mobile quarterback. And he can run the ball, too, so he was able to keep the ball at times and run in the run-pass option. Um, obviously, with Kareem Hunt there and the offensive line, they were able to do some funky things. Um, the Rams do a decent job of it. I mean... It's hard to, to say who does the best because, look, Aaron Rodgers does a fantastic job of it. We just, it's not as an RPO as we think it is out of shotgun. He does it from under center. Um, you just have to have a quarterback who's comfortable knowing what's happening and being able to make adjustments. Um, and like I said, teams are going to figure it out. It's the NFL. It's the NFL. If we remember last year, early in the season, the Chiefs were doing all that funky stuff with the shovel passes and the, the power mm-hmm. reads, all that stuff. And f- within four weeks, teams figured it out. That was the end of it. So, Teams will eventually figure this out. What they're going to do, by the way, is they're going to just start sending the DN. So the quarterback, you're allowed to hit the quarterback after the fake because it looks like they're, they're keeping the ball. So I think teams are going to start sending their DNs just running up the field and screaming into the quarterback and, not, and saying, screw it. If they run the ball, they run the ball. We'll, we'll have the backside uh, linebacker play a little bit um, softer and, and not chase on the backside, and maybe he can be there for the cutback. But if not, we're just going to hit the quarterback as much as possible. And that's what you worry about with these RPOs is the quarterback getting hit. Um, and another thing about the RPO, and hopefully I explained it as as rudimentary as I could so people understand, is for quarterbacks who have trouble reading the field, it's very easy. It's one read. One read, one route. Maybe sometimes you can have a two-man concept on RPO, um, and it's really just a, you throw the inside guy or outside guy. Um and this allows quarterbacks to just read one thing. Um, and it's very easy, right? Hand the ball off or read one thing. So they don't have to sit back there and go left, okay, this guy to this guy to this guy to this guy. It's boom, okay, who, what, box count, slant. All right, box count, all right, run the ball. Oh, shit, here comes, throw the bubble. Like, it's, it, it allows quarterbacks easy So you think completions. it's good for younger quarterbacks? Like, good for no, rookie Nick quarterbacks? No, Nick Foles is not young. Okay. Well, yeah. No, I'm just saying, like the way you're making it talk. The I think way it's you're quarterbacks. About, it seems like it would be very advantageous for for younger quarterbacks still trying to acclimate to some of the complex systems of the NFL. Yes, could be. But remember, it's pretty simple, and and it doesn't help you advance your knowledge of an entire offense, which eventually you need to do. Look, look at the quarterback. Look, Foles was the abnormality last year. Typically, it's a right. pocket quarterback, and he is a pocket quarterback. And look, he won the Super Bowl. Not running a lot of RPOs. He run a, he ran, he won it a lot by by playing and completing play action passes, which are set up by their great run game. So um, there is a it can be a little bit of your offense. Remember again, remember, I told you the numbers. Eighteen percent of the of the Eagles' offense was an RPO. That's not a lot, right? That that means their base right. offense is something else. Less so than one fifth. It's a changeup that you can have. Um, and and I think it's good to have as a changeup, but not as your base offense. Okay. 
All right, fair enough. Hopefully that made you a little bit smarter. Again, get the podcast, go back and listen to it again if some of that kind of ran over you a little bit. I know we had a caller that called in that wasn't able to hang on that wanted to talk about Last Chance You and the new season. Jeff, I know you've been watching it. I actually interviewed Ms. P last week here in Nashville on on my show here. So we will talk about that a little bit next. Still a bunch more to come. Also, Jason Witten on social media, an article that he put out on Friday – that I found fascinating that backs up what Clay and I and a lot of us have actually been saying for a while about the cons of social media. All that's still to come. Stick with us. Outkick on a Monday here on Fox Sports Radio. Little incubus for you on a Monday morning. Car shopping can be confusing with terms like dealer price, list price, and invoice. True Car shows you what other people pay for the car you want so you can recognize a good price, whether you're ready to buy a new or used car. Visit True Car to enjoy more confident car buying experience. This is Outkick the Coverage here on Fox Sports Radio. I'm Jason Martin. Used to be a part of this program. Joined by Jeff Schwartz, my usual partner in crime when we fill in for Clay Travis. He's back on Monday. He's on he's on Twitter, by the way, at G-E-O-F-F Schwartz. And I am at Zone. Clay's at Clay Travis. I have him muted. It will always be that way, I think. All right, Jeff, we didn't we didn't get to the caller. JP in Jacksonville called up, wanted to talk about this, so I figured we can talk about this. Last Chance You, Season 3 came out, I think it was two Fridays ago, and he wanted to ask us if we've been watching it. If you watch the first two seasons and the third, there is a definite change in how the series is laid out, and I think a lot of it is because Brittany Wagner is no longer part of the show. And that's a lot of the critics. If you see criticism of the show, it usually starts there. That she was sort of the guidance counselor that was able to go after the coaches, really cared about it, and brought the heart out of the show. She was a very larger-than-life kind of personality. Her replacement is someone named Ms. P, who I actually interviewed last week here in Nashville. And she seemed very, you know, ebullient and, and had a good personality, but you just can't replace Brittany Wagner. But I know you've been watching this show, as some people had been asking you about it. What is your feeling on things? Well, okay, let's start with the coach. Um, yes, he enjoys cussing. Um, yeah, a little <laughs> we, bit. I think, we, I think we get that. Um, and here's where I think he's trying to come from, is he understands a lot of the kids he brought in have discipline issues. And he's trying to get the most out of them. I think he feels that he can do the most or get the most out of his players by just constantly ragging on them. And I think he feels if he uses that language that he uses, that's what the kids most relate to. And I actually do think he does it from a loving place. I know people probably think I'm insane, but I do think he does it from from a loving place. And look, he won a conference title for the first time since 1987. So he's doing something right. Um, whether or not his kids would play better if he didn't yell and get in their face so much, I don't know because they played pretty well. They lost two games. Um, I also think that we're not seeing everything that happens behind the scenes, and I think that we're just seeing the, the temper tantrums. And as a coach, I understand if you try to install something simple and you try to install discipline in your team and your team just won't do it over and over and over again, how upsetting that is for you, right? Uh, the D tackle with Emmett Gooden is that was that his name? He, you know, personal foul penalties like every game that has got to drive a coach absolutely crazy. You have, you have a quarterback in um, in 
Malik Henry, who just openly is defiant. He's at a junior college in Kansas, and he thinks he knows better than everyone who's ever played football. The the show, by the way, came off worse for Malik Henry out of anyone. He is not very good. He's not very good. All he does is is talk mess the entire time. You want to? You feel like you want to punch him in the face the entire show. If I, he was my quarterback, I couldn't play for a guy. I could play for that coach, but not play for that quarterback. I can play for a quarterback that all he does is come off the field and undermine the play calling, bitch about all the plays, and generally not get the job done. So he's um, Willie Beeman, basically. So you're going to let that guy get killed if you're on the offensive line. But, I'm not going that far. But in high Willie school, Beeman also or in college. Um, I, I can't. I couldn't do that. I still block for him, but I'd be. I would. I would have some choice words with him, and I would probably tell the coach I didn't want him playing. I don't want to play for him. Um, now there weren't many other options um, uh, as well. I mean, you know, they had to do that. But you know, he's not that good, and he he acts like. And I, I've seen some message board postings about him that his you know his dad is a is is not a good influence in his life, um, and that you know Malik. You is don't very, say. Yeah, and Malik is is very calling. It seems that way. He seems to obviously try to know more. Then the coach, just one pet peeve of mine, and I tweet this out during these type of shows. I, I consume all this hard knocks, all or nothing, you know, last chance you, any of these football documentaries I, I really enjoy. I despise, it's a pet peeve of mine, when the, the clock, the narration, and the play do not align with each other. So I'll give you an example. It was like the scoreboard said third and five, okay? And the narration said big third down play coming up for Independence Pirates, okay? Malik Henry drops back the quarterback, strip sack, okay, gets sacked, fumbled. They recover the football. The next play, the narrator says, third and five. You just showed the scoreboard being third and five. Now you said it was a big third down. Malik Henry fumbles. Now it's third and five again. So what is it? like? And it, this, it constantly happens like this. The scoreboard and the play do not align up. I guess you know. I guess they're not shooting the scoreboard all the time, so they can't have to kind of do the best they can with figuring out what time of the game it is. I just, I, and you probably don't even notice it, but I do, and it drives me insane. Yeah, I mean, things not being synced is something that always drives me nuts. Just in viewing television, especially when you're trying to contextualize something in sports. Did you watch the first two seasons, or is this the first yeah. one no, that watched, you've actually? Okay, you, so so you know there's a gigantic difference between the way that these seasons have played out. This one definitely feels a lot darker. Also, it also, especially early, you're seeing a lot more of the on-field action and a lot less of the off-field stuff just in terms of the character development. I know that sounds ridiculous because it's nonfiction, it's reality-based television in a lot of ways, but it's still television. It's still designed to entertain. And what made Last Chance you what it was in terms of a cultural phenomenon outside of Brittany Wagner and the original coach, was just getting to know these kids, getting to know these young men in a different way. And I don't feel like, personally, season three hits those notes nearly as effectively as the first two years. Well, I think part of it, too, is the kids in this in this season are hard to root for, in my opinion. Um, they just complain the whole time. All of them complain. Like We have guys who... Um, are complaining about not getting D1 offers who are not even starting and not even playing. Right. I mean, like that's like we have guys that that, that show up, um, that that show up, you know, to um, you know, to workouts without their pads. Like they lost their pads. Like get out of here. I mean, like so, I understand um, why why uh, people. I I don't feel related to the people. Like I couldn't ha- build a relationship with them emotionally because they they just weren't easy to get along with. 
Yeah, I mean, look, early on when I was calling some high school basketball in Kentucky, I remember one of the, I guess he was a star player, but I mean, he was a secondary player on the team, but he shot it pretty well. His dad came up to me after like the second game that I called for that season. And he was just like, you paying attention to my son? I'm like, yeah, I'm paying attention to everybody on the team. He's like, good, just hoping Coach Cal takes notice. And I'm just like, look, dude, like Murray State's not even going to call you. Like, please don't even let Kentucky leave your mouth. Sometimes, just like the belief of these players talking about D1 offers and all that kind of stuff, that to me takes me almost completely out of it. It's just like, who is telling you that? Who is it at home that is that is setting you up for failure like that? Like, you don't want to tell somebody they have no future, but so many of these guys that are not starting that think that somehow they're going to end up in the Pac-12 or the SEC or the ACC, to me, just boggles my mind. Well, it's interesting because I, I've thought about this um, myself. You know, I guess... My my goal playing college football until my really the end of my junior year had never been the pros. I just played football. I liked playing football. I never thought about going to the NFL. It never crossed my mind. Now, as well, I didn't need the NFL to get out of a bad situation, right? I had I was going to get my degree. I thought I'd go to law school. I thought you know I I, I wasn't like something that I needed the NFL right to right. get out of, to get a different life that I wanted for myself. Um, you know, I started thinking about the NFL my end of my junior year, my senior year, um, and I thought about this often. People were asking me, well, "What you know, what would you have done if you didn't make it?" And I said, "I don't know. I never thought about never making it. Like I never thought I'd never play. I just always thought I would continue to play. And then as I, you know, as I went team to team, and you realize that you know, there's your lifespan is not going to be very long. I definitely thought about the media side and getting into the media and how do I become." someone who's part of the media how fast did that become how fast did that become part of your thought process when you were in the league halfway through your career a little bit later on like when did you start thinking media could be part of your future when i got to the giants i think okay so 14 like 2014 yeah got to new york started doing more um started doing more um media it's funny looking back on you. You know the way it is, man. Like you think that you're so much better at something than you really are at times. Of course. Like, I thought for sure I was like, man, this is I'm gonna get this job easy. Like I'm I'm good at this, and I, I was okay when I started. And you hear yourself compared to like now compared to then, and just practice does really help. <laughs> Reps help you help you become better at, it, at all gigs in life, but especially in media. Um, probably in 14, and I've changed what I wanted to do. Like I thought that I wanted to. Uh, for sure, call games like that's like what I thought right. I wanted to be do. Be in the booth, be a color. Yeah, guy. be in the booth, and you realize like you know, yeah, I think I would still want to do that, but it's it's not something that like I have to do, and it's time consuming. It's a, it's time away from your family, and it's tough to do. Like I would have you know Dan Orlovsky, like we just had him a great right, great at it. He goes right into the booth in his first year out of the NFL. Fantastic. I'm glad for him. He sets a bar for the rest of us. Um, but I'm not as good at calling games and it would take me three to five years of going around making not a lot of money for five years and be gone every weekend calling games. Like it doesn't make sense for me. So I've changed. I like doing radio. Um, I can do it from my house. I can do it from a studio near my house. Um, there's the podcast. I can do web stuff for my gambling shows. Like I can do a lot of stuff, stay in the game, but not call football games. And I'm fine with that. Mm -hmm. So things change 
um, over the years, you know, I have an agent who's fantastic, and she told me like, look, you, you're just not going to call games. Like she kind of had to tell me like, you're not very good at it. You're not very good is the wrong word. I'm okay. I'm okay. I, I've only done really. Three. It's not a standout part of what you. I've, do. O- I've only done three though. I mean, I've done three on stadium last year, and they were CUSA games, and they're not like we don't have commercials. We don't really have re- very good yeah, reviews. Right. We have two or three cameras. It's not like a real game. Um, it's so far as it's a real game, but not what you would get from an ESPN or a Fox or a CBS or NBC. Um, and she's like, look, you, you're just not, you're not cut out for that. Like, let's do the radio thing. And I'm like, sure. So obviously with you, I got my own short show tonight on Pac-12 and I do other things as well um, on other networks. So it, just, it changes. But I thought about year seven or eight, especially when I start getting hurt, that media was going to be the way to go. Did you think about it yourself or yes. was it, did someone ever bring it up to you and say, this could be an option for you? Like after talking to you in locker rooms and seeing, hey, this guy can talk and this guy's got a lot to say and you know he's got a good personality and things like that. Did anybody help you along that path or was it just something where you started to think, okay, I need to look at my post NFL future and this maybe makes sense? Well, my my playing agent had always talked to me. It is always, and he's been he's fantastic. He's always pushed, um, he's always pushed like post career to me. So when I got to New York, we hired a PR guy, and, and we're like, look, we're gonna push you just to kind of get noticed around the country, right? So the PR guy just got me interviews and things like that, and that's their job, right, to kind of get you noticed um, around the country. So we we did that with him, and then just you just start trying to get reps and and you just beg is the wrong way but you're just like you just ask for reps man and you just i mean you know this Jason, like you just you just you beg i mean not beg but you just like you be like hey yo I, I you know hey i'm free today i'm you know like can i work this week or i still do that now like i have i i have I, i'm a regular nfl radio but like every month i'm like hey you know i, I text the box like hey man like i'm i got three days this week do you have any do you have any days for me and I just keep, and I don't mind doing it. It's not like I'm begging. I'm just asking for work. And that's, I'm a contractor worker. I just work, I get paid yeah, for work. Exactly. Um, right. And I think that's one thing that's, that's, um, that's good advice for people asking that want to do this is one, take one, say yes to everything. So for three years, I said yes to every interview that I ever was asked to do. It could have been local station in Albuquerque wanted me to come on for 10 minutes, talk about whatever. I did it. I did whatever someone asked me to do. Now, I, now I can be a little bit more selective on that. Um, and two, don't be afraid to like ask for work. <laughs> like um, I, the way I started writing, Jason, and I'm the only right now. I'm the only ex-athlete in the NFL who writes full time. No one else does. Um, it's mm. hard to write. You know this. It's it's not easy. Yeah. It, yeah. If you can if you can write, Clay says this. I think is true. Right. If you can write, right. then you can do radio, and then you can do TV. Like it's, it should be in up, that order. If you go up the chain, TV is is he's exactly right. TV is the easiest. You talk yes. for four minutes at a time, and even in a four minute segment, you might talk for half that segment. I just did speak for yourself. We did it's an hour show. I did three segments. I mean, I think it's it's an hour show. I think you know I spoke for we did three what seven minute segments something like that. And I spoke for like three and a half minutes total. Like, it wasn't yeah. very long. Yeah. And producers give you a bunch of paperwork. I mean, me and you, we do this show. This is ourselves. It's us doing this. It's us coming up with really you coming up with topics for us to talk about. Um, and and you know it's tough to do TV when you do radio because you have to you know we talk for 15, 20 minutes at a time. You have to like pare everything down into into certain you know certain kind of uh, con- condensed statements. But if you can write 
you can you can do radio and then you can do TV. But writing for me, I mean, I was one day I was sitting in my office. I was in October. The uh, no one had signed me, and I was like, look, I'm just gonna write about something. And I just wrote. And I was a political science major, so I wrote a lot in college. And mm-hmm. I sent it around to four different publications. SB Nation picked it up, and I've I don't know, I've written probably. 150 articles. I mean, I don't know how many I've written now. 200. I did MMQB one one summer day. What did 10,000 words for Peter King when he was still doing it over at, at, at SI. So start with writing, go to radio, but just take the reps, man. Do whatever anyone tells you to do. Yeah, I mean, last Friday, not this past Friday, but the Friday before, I did 13 straight hours in Nashville I've done on 10. radio with no is, break. I've done 10 before. That 13, especially in a row, is a beast. I did three four-hour shows and then hosted mine solo that night. It broke a record, I guess. At least people were kind of joking about it that said it had never been done before in this city. And people were just like, why, why, why would you do that? I'm like, why would you not do that? Let's bring in Eddie Garcia and find out what happened in the world of sports last night. All right, boys, let's start off with Major League Baseball games of note. And Atlanta starter Sean Newcomb was one strike away from a no-hitter, but L.A.'s Chris Taylor broke it up with a single through the left side of the infield. Braves go on for the 4-1 win. Over the Dodgers, Diamondbacks beat the Padres 5-4. Arizona's now a half game back of L.A. for the NL West lead. It was the Phillies being shut up by the Reds 4-0, so Philadelphia's lead on Atlanta topped the NL East has had a game and a half. The Rockies edged the A's 4-3. Color remains a half game back of Arizona for the final wildcard spot in the National League, and the Mariners beat the Angels 8-5. Seattle's lead on Oakland for the final wildcard spot in the American League is at two games. In baseball news, the Hall of Fame class for 2018 officially inducted in Cooperstown. They are Chipper Jones, Jim Tomei, Vladimir Guerrero, Trevor Hoffman, Jack Morris, and Alan Trammell. This report brought to you by True Car. Online car shopping can be confusing, but not anymore with True Price from True Car. Now you can know the exact price you'll pay for your next car, so visit True Car and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Now back to Jason Martin and Jeff Schwartz in the Geico Outkick the Coverage Studios. Thank you, Eddie Garcia. We will talk to you in the morning. Coming to you live from the Geico Outkick Studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. The only hard part, figuring out which way is easier. We're going to talk about the Jason Witten Twitter article tomorrow because it also plays into a lot of these recent, seems like a lot of MLB players having to apologize for tweets that they sent when they were a teenager We've talked about this a little bit before, but there's a lot to get into when it comes to social media, a lot more than we can be we can get into at the end of the show. But first off, Danny, thanks for breaking up that no-hitter last night with my Braves. We were so close <laughs> to no-hitting you guys, and you had to yes. just knock it out with me at one Thank you, left. Chris Taylor. Yeah, thanks a lot, Chris Taylor. That's but I will brutal, say this. What, two outs, oh, two my strikes gosh. in the ninth? Oh, man, brutal. Yeah, I mean, you probably never come that close again, and to have no. one strike away—that's just—that's the worst. But the but the uh, Braves, as they put Chipper Jones into the Hall of Fame, and when I hear Chipper Jones goes in at the same time as Jack Morris, it's like bittersweet because, yeah, Jack Morris deserves to be in basically because of what he did to my Braves in the World Series. But the Braves and the Dodgers. The weirdest thing that I heard was Joe Simpson, who calls oh. games for the Braves. <laughs> talking about the Dodgers BP uniforms. I think we might have the audio, but I'm going to have to mea culpa myself for doing something similar on this radio show last year when you and I were filling in, Jeff. But this is just, this is get off my lawn to a completely different level. We're going to play the audio for you, have a little bit of fun on the way out. Stick around, you'll enjoy this. Outkick, Fox Sports Radio. Final segment of the Monday program, Outkick the Coverage. On your radio, Fox Sports Radio to be exact. Jeff Schwartz with me. I'm Jason Martin. Clay Travis is back one week from today. 
Remember, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. All you got to do, hit up that website, geico.com, get yourself a free rate quote. Last year, Jeff, I don't know if you remember this, but we were talking about when we were in hosting summer league basketball. We really weren't talking about the games. We were talking about, well, I was talking about how I was angry that the broadcasters were wearing like polos (laughs) and not suits. Like they weren't taking it seriously. Okay. I don't know what I was talking about. No one agreed with me. I don't agree with myself now. I'm asking for a mea culpa because I was an idiot. And the reason I mentioned that, let's just play the clip and then we'll talk about it afterwards. If you did not hear this, this happened on Saturday. Atlanta Braves TV analyst Joe Simpson, who I have listened to for a long time as a Braves fan, on the Fox Sports South broadcast uh, of their game against the Dodgers. This is embarrassing. You know that I grew up in the Dodger organization and certainly was taught how to play professional baseball and do things the right way. I want you to look at some things that were going on today in batting practice here with the Dodgers. What do you see? T-shirts? You see Chase Utley with no socks and pants up over his knees. T-shirt. This was prevalent with their whole team. And I think about uh, fans that come to SunTrust Park who are Dodgers fans and want to see their players. They had no idea who any of, any of them were. Nobody had any kind of uniform or batting practice shirt on with their name on their jersey. They looked very unprofessional. Uh, and I think I can say this because I know what the Dodger organization was all about. There's the bug. It is perfect. But if I were a Dodger fan, I'd be embarrassed. And I don't know how Major League Baseball allows such attire when the gates are open and fans are watching. Uh, Chase Utley, I've had nothing but respect for him his whole career. I think he's a great player, and I thought he always played the game the right way. That was an embarrassment, what he had on today during batting practice. Yeah, when you think of all the merchandising that Major League Baseball does with their practice uniforms and the batting practice jerseys, I'm with you. Why not? It's called a uniform for a reason. I mean, listen, (laughs) we're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Not a game. We're talking about practice, man. Not a game. Not the game that I go out there and die for and play every game like it's my last. Not the game. We're talking about practice, man. I mean, how silly is that? Okay. Joe Simpson lost me on this. Like, this is ridiculous, right? Like, I mean, I know. I'm an Atlanta Braves fan, and Danny, I try my best to hate the Dodgers as much as humanly possible on the radio, mainly because of you. Jeff doesn't like the Dodgers either, obviously, as a Giants fan. But we're talking about practice. What is Joe Simpson talking about here? So a couple things were funny, and and Danny, you might be able to back this. I think I think I saw the stat that Joe played in like 62 games in four years for the Dodgers. Like it was something like nothing. Yeah, like, like, he was with the Dodgers for a cup of coffee. Um, and and here's the thing. This is this exact two minute audio clip is why baseball has no young has no young viewers. Yep. Yeah, no um, kidding. Like the the problem here is that it doesn't matter. Like and also too. I, I don't I haven't been to a ballpark for batting practice in quite a while, but isn't typically is the away does the away team hit with no fans and like who hits first normally? I forget which way. Like there's also sometimes that they're not even the park's not even open yet when when the visitors are hitting. Um 
I don't understand the anger here. It's Chase Utley. I mean, he doesn't not even starting right now. He's like 85 years old. He, I think he can kind of do what he wants. Um, and I just this is why baseball is where it's at. It is you have old curmudgeons upset about the way guys are dressing. I mean, look, the NFL has rules for this, but they don't have rules for warmups. Guys come out shirtless with their training masks on in, in four degree weather um no one says anything about that there but you know guys actually wearing clothes he pulled up his pants to make him look like capris and you got old, old broadcaster being upset about it. if if the dodgers don't care then he shouldn't care and my last point about this as well is joe dodgers haven't won in 30 years so maybe they need to do something different and maybe and maybe <laughs> not wearing uh, cl- the proper attire at batting practice is going to help them win a, a championship one year i hope not but yeah, maybe you- yeah, you know what? We're not even just talking about practice. We're talking about batting practice. Like, I just, it just boggled my mind. And what was worse, Danny, is that after Chip Carey tried to get back to calling the game, Simpson went back to it. <laughs> yeah. Like, he wasn't even willing to let it go. He st- he was not done. He had not gotten it off his chest yet. Yeah. And Dave Roberts had enough afterwards, too. Uh, he was laughing. Well, I mean, he wasn't laughing, but he said he would take it as a joke. Because it's got to be a joke, right? You would think that the Dodgers were out there in nothing but jock straps, the way Simpson was talking. It's just ridiculous. I don't even know why anybody's paying attention to Simpson right now. I know I liked it, just like listening to it. It just it, it blew me away. Could you imagine working with somebody like that that's that grouchy? Yeah, you have to wonder like if that's a fun workplace environment. Oh hell if he's, no! If he's out, if he's up there in the booth and he sees Chase Utley, can you imagine before he went on air? I bet Chip <laughs> Carey knew this was coming too. Like they were sitting there, like Why did you know, up having a Dr Pepper or something before they start with a hot dog, and Joe Simpson's probably like, <laughs> "Look at that unprofessional he- trash right there on the field." <laughs> <laughs> he shouldn't. He shouldn't. Uh, Carey shouldn't even have teed that up if he knew that was coming. Well, he didn't really tee him up. I mean, Simpson well, was going to find a way. The video had to be ready, though. I get, yeah, okay. I guess that's true. I guess. It, well, Joe Simpson might have been the types like, "Look, you're going to bring this video up. I've got seniority here because Joe Simpson's been doing this for a while. We haven't been doing it for a while, but we've been doing it for a little while, and we'll do it again tomorrow on Outkick. We'll talk about Jason Witten. We'll talk about social media. A lot to get to. See you then. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bed 365 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters 
every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.